Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. I got bit this week by a nasty outdoor spider. A real motherfucker. It's so rude. It's fucking unbelievable. He, I was getting my Christmas supplies out. And I guess he was hanging on to them or something. Because I, <clears throat> I was inside putting some Christmas stuff together. And looked down, I felt something on my arm, felt a little bite, and looked down, and the fucking spider was just hanging out, just chewing on me. And I flicked him away, and I killed him, and then my arm burned for like two and a half days. And I had a big old weird red blotch. So by the time we were playing Sea of Thieves on Monday, mm -hmm. it had receded from burning to a an itch? Yeah, it started to itch while we were playing. It's been itching ever since. It's still kind of itchy. So I think that's a good sign. That sounds like it's on its way to recovering. But like, <clears throat> it's a good sign if once it stops being itchy. Yes. Then you'll say the moment when it no longer just hurt and moved to itching was a good sign. If it stays itchy forever, you may think that's the moment your curse began. Yeah. Well, I I have been watching it to make sure my tissue doesn't go like necrotic or something. But it seems yep. okay. I think I'm okay now. But I, uh, normally I don't react to any kind of spider or bug bite or anything um but this one this one had some actual poison. yeah he had the juice he had the real shit out there so you gotta watch out for those outdoor spiders everybody they're fucking assholes indoor spiders are pushovers and that's why they live indoors with me well this is by the way this is a, should be a fucking lesson to spiders everywhere if that dude had just hunkered down in one corner of that box odds are you never see it oh man i ain't care fine. i ain't looking around in there for spiders who gives a shit uh-huh no he was like but instead he jumped on me and went to town and now he's dead yeah, didn't know when to pick his battles, didn't know how to pick his battles, went after you, lost his life. And sure, I had two days of looking at my arm a lot going, oh boy, I hope this doesn't turn bad. But nah, he's dead. He's dead forever. He's perma-dead. Just, oh, I don't like the look of this. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't nothing, but it was, I don't know if it was worth it to him. Uh, this is the deal and I try to make with all animals, and they never, they pretend like they can't understand what the deal is, but. He, he went after the king, too, like. There's a little kid in that house. I know. You can go after the full-grown man? It's really Stupid. not smart. Not smart at all. I think he was just really confused. He was enjoying a nice shed, his shed existence, yeah. with my Christmas supplies, and suddenly he was being carried about. And he uh, he didn't react well to it, and yeah, he's making fucking rotten hell. Fuck that guy. Dave the Spider, enjoying, whatever his name was. I get enjoying the shed, like... You live in Nashville. Outside is bad. Outside Shed's is gonna bad be better almost than... all year. Yeah. There's like five nice days a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. days it's cold, and so now now the spider's got to hide in there for warmth, but normally he's hiding there to get away from the warmth. So, yeah, But now he gets in an even better spot in the house, and he decides to act up. I know, right? Just I would have felt that air, and I would have been like, I'm gone into a vent or something. You'll never find me. Oh, hang on. This is even better. Let me find a nice out-of-the-way spot. That's right. Yeah, he didn't play it well. He's um, he wasn't one of the smarter spiders, but he had the juice for sure. 
He was probably a big meathead <laughs> spider. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, that was that's the <laughs> highlight of my week. That's cool. Last couple of days, I've noticed there's a little spot under the back of my car, and I'm thinking, am I leaking something, or is this just condensation slash rainwater pooling in a weird spot that I don't understand under my car? Hmm. That but that doesn't that part doesn't sound realistic. The first thing seems more realistic. Yeah, yeah it seems more likely, huh? Yeah. If you have to, if you have to end it with in some I way, I, I have don't less understand. Less than twenty three thousand miles on my car. Well. Yeah, that don't matter though. But I've had the car for six years. Yeah, these these shits, you know, they ain't built to last, really. No. So anyway, that's what I'm kind of watching. But I keep getting, I keep getting foiled because it just keeps like it'll rain for ten minutes, and then you're like, well, there's water in lots of places, yeah. spots in lots of places. But I tried to eat some of the dirt. It didn't taste like anything. That's too bad, because that would have been a dead giveaway, man. No, if it had tasted like oil or something, I would have said it's probably oil. You should have you would have loudly said dead giveaway, dead giveaway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I realize that's uh, at least ten years old, <laughs> but um, I do think about it a lot. That the neighbor had big testicles because we we see this dude every day. <laughs> see this dude every day. We ribs with this dude. <laughs> Well, he says that he really is outraged. He's so outraged that the guy had the fucking balls to have ribs with them while he was hiding all yeah. those girls in that house. Yep. We eat ribs with this dude. <clears throat> well, I guess we don't need to vamp. We got a whole mail bag and stuff. But I feel like those guys didn't figure out a way to make enough money doing that because their output, I think, really dropped off. Oh, yeah, no. They, um... They probably had to have regular jobs, and uh, yep, I'm sure it helped them get jobs. But like, it depends. I mean, it wouldn't help me get a job. I don't think. I don't know if anyone would care. (laughs) I was like, I made a funny song. It was um, you know, like when something happens in the news and it's kind of ghoulish. But like, I made a, I made a ha ha song out of it. It's not always ghoulish. Sometimes (laughs) I just do it about the double rainbow guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Or maybe about the kid who loves corn. Who knows. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes yes, I did. Yes, my song does say that they were <laughs> everybody out here. Yeah. Hide your wife, hide your kids. Uh Well, we haven't oh, listen, we get to talk about that enough later. So let's fucking let's move into cheerier material here. Okay. Give me a minute to load Twitter on this antique iPad. Mm, on the November 21st, volume. I think, is the, the, the first one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ryan yeah, yeah. said, you're telling me you don't have a single hockey player's name on a sweater? I assume that was you would probably said you didn't know a single hockey player or something. Is that not it? I mean, I may have said that, but it, it is also a part of my personality that I have never gotten a specific player's name put on the back of a jersey. No, I was getting blank. Unless it was just a giveaway. If you go to a game and it's yeah. a giveaway, it might be a Coco Crisp jersey or something. But it's not. Uh... I have. Ex- I know. I have exactly one, and it's uh, Eric Chavez. My A's jersey has Chavez on the back. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Enjoy that. Enjoy thinking about that guy. Uh, I I'm not, I can't really think about any of the A's ever again. I don't think so. Um, but no, Ryan. The answer is that all of my hockey sweaters are 
unadorned on the back. They don't have my name. They don't have player names. I couldn't, A, I want to pick. I want to pick a favorite. And B, these guys move around all the time. Yeah, it'd be a tough one. If you'd picked Pavelski or something, you'd be kicking yourself. I mean, it would have been a good choice, but then like. Yeah, yeah, but then he's been a Dallas star for a few. Man, I almost forgot the name of that whole franchise. Uh, He's been a (laughs) Dallas star for a few years now, so. Uh, look, I'm going to be honest. I ain't watched a hockey game in like three years. That wasn't a college hockey game. Because the Sharks have been fucking just so fucking terrible. Just the worst. And um, I mean, it, it definitely is not a good sign if the Sharks, if you see a post on all on Reddit because the Sharks won a game and it just adds, it's just the logo of the team they beat added to a list of the other handful of teams they've beaten. I mean, they are really bad, like really bad. Like, their goal differential's twice as bad as the next worst team or something. Because um, they have the fewest goals scored and the most goals allowed, and that's always a great combination. Um, so, like, they're really, really bad. But they do have six or seven wins now, which is... I mean, they were, like, 0-12. So, like, it, they, we weren't sure they were going to get to six or seven wins for a while. <laughs> what if they have a... What if their GM is, like... He's really into stats, but he also he has dyscalculia mm. a little, to a little degree, to some degree. And he's like, I know you want one of them to be really high and one of them to be really low. Yeah, I just can't because Did of my I condition. Pick the right ones. I, sometimes yeah. I'm not sure which one is the right one. <clears throat> and uh, by the way, I feel like no one's backing me up here. Yeah. You've got to tell me if I'm making a mistake. Uh, I, in fact, I told I told uh, the assistant GM that and he thought that that meant that I had a dislocated shoulder blade. <laughs> and I didn't correct him because why bother? You said that he just keeps saying that sounds painful. Yeah, and I said it's not painful. I, I just messed up my math. I guess. I mean, sometimes in certain situations it can be pretty unfortunate. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah boy." And he was like, "Math can be." He was fucking like rotating his shoulder around and going, "Ooh, can't even imagine." It's weird. <laughs> I hear that's one of the worst ones. <laughs> Could be something like that, some kind of scenario like that. On the 21st, Tryon also writes, Obviously, I'm not a hockey player, but after watching that awful video, I'm pretty sure the kick was 100% intentional, just not the throat contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I assumed the kick was probably intentional, and that's probably enough to get you in some pretty hot water. But, like, I don't find hard to believe he was trying to fucking gank that guy's fucking throat. Because that's... Yeah, I mean... That's the crazy. In most... In most non-sporting circumstances... It's not a legal defense to swing a knife at someone and then say, I mean, I didn't really expect to hit him. <laughs> yes, exactly right. But, you know, in a hockey game, I mean, Happy Gilmore took a skate off and tried to stab someone. He's the only guy ever to do it. The only guy ever to do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's two records. Most times spent in the records. penalty box. <laughs> and I'm the only guy ever take off a skate and try to stab someone with it. <clears throat> I had just no exposure to the kind of shitty 70s rock that adam mm. sandler liked yeah prior to happy gilmore so when tuesday's gone so, is playing in the opening or whatever you're like uh-huh oh, um, what the fuck i like if i hear one of those songs i have no other context for it i'm just like this is happy gilmore this is the song from happy gilmore you know what you know what marjan told me the other day she told what? me she she told me she didn't remember that his name was happy gilmore in the movie and she thought maybe Why happy think it was called that because he went to his happy place and I said, the first words in the movie are, my name is Happy Gilmore, as fucking Tuesday's Gone is playing in the background. And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. 
It's like he gets that part out of the way fucking right away. He wants you to know his name is Happy Gilmore and the movie's called Happy Gilmore. So, <clears throat> I mean, I can only think of one movie where the character's name is an important element in the movie. Mm. And that's uh, The Big Lebowski. Oh, sure. There's a lot but of people like, in that film saying Lebowski for sure. And of course, yeah, if you watched, uh, yeah. if you watched Cinderella. And then you were like, oh, wait, this bitch's name is Cinderella? <laughs> I thought that was just like, uh, nah, that's a tough <laughs> one. It would be really hard to come up with a, a deeper meaning to that. Yeah. Your wife is a is a bright woman. Yep. But she spends a lot of time uh, writing grants and doing science and, uh, you know. No, her media nah. uh, in regards to the popular media, her, her memory, sorry, her memory in regards to popular media is um, lacking. Even the uh, things she listen, likes and enjoys, uh, she'll, she'll watch the whole thing, but then like three weeks later, she'll be like, wait, what, how did that show even end? And I was like, man, I, I had to endure this show. I had to sit here and watch it with you. I remember every fucking detail, all the characters' names, and every beat of the fucking story, which I hated the entire time. You can't even remember it, so why did we bother? <clears throat> Sometimes I'll be watching a show with Katie. By which I mean, Katie is watching one of one of the Katie shows yeah. that she watches without me. But I happen to be in the room for an episode, mm -hmm. and I'm on my phone or whatever. And then uh, she'll say, "Wait, what happened?" And like she just missed an important plot point, and I'll just say what it was, mm -hmm. and she's never like, "Oh, you you noticed that, huh? You were paying attention to that." It's never surprising to her that I know the answer. Yep. Yeah. I know like, uh, yeah. Marshall's. I was mainly watching uh, rally car accidents, but I did catch the I did catch the important. A lot of the elements of the TV show told me that this next thing that was going to happen was important, so I did notice it. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same. She's watching some trash show, and I will. Uh, I like remember who won lip sync for your life in the fucking last challenge of RuPaul's Drag Race or whatever. I'll be like, I wasn't even watching it; it was on. You were supposed to be watching it, but I remember. I remember that the snack won that contest. There was a really good. There was a really good contestant whose nickname was the Snack, who I couldn't help but root for. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, we I, I tried to watch a few of the very early ones when Katie started. Like the show had already <laughs> been on for a while, but Katie started it from the beginning. Yeah, and it, you tell me if the if you had the same reaction. Uh, some of those uh, performers have really horrible opinions about women. You mean based on their impressions and characters, or do they say things with their yeah, mouths? Yeah, and the things they say. Okay, well, maybe. That could be true. I would um, i don't know for sure. I was just like, mm, all right. <clears throat> My feeling watching that show is that the contest is really who can entertain RuPaul. Because it seems like that's all he wants is for someone to make him laugh. And if he's laughing the whole time, uh, that person usually wins and fucking moves on. Um, so I, that's always what I'm like, man, how great would it be to get to the point in your career where you can just put on a big old TV show? And the <laughs> whole point is just to be solely entertained. Just me. Just entertain me the whole time. And if you do that, you will win. Whenever like he, someone does a, makes a joke and then he just looks at him, I'm like, that person's fucking gone. They didn't entertain him 100% of the show. They're gone. That's it. I mean, that's almost what Matsumoto's show Documental is, except that there are rules. 
Yes. Like, you get evicted for laughing yourself, but, like, it really does seem to be, what does he think is funny? Yep. Yeah, I think that's right. So good for them. Good for them that they've gotten to that point where they can put on a whole show just to entertain themselves. Um... Ryan also says the amateur hockey players I asked about it are convinced the kick was deliberate and also convinced that he didn't mean to get to his throat. I mean, why would he mean to get his that? That would again, the only happy Gilmore would mean to get his throat. That's crazy. So of course, I mean like, yeah, it's pretty easy to say. I don't think he meant to kick the guy in the throat. So he'd die on the ice. (laughs) Right. But yeah, by the way, our ability to, uh, dissemble and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> and fucking tangent is pretty crazy because I didn't even remember we were still talking about hockey. <laughs> yeah, we walked away from it uh, after the Happy Gilmore. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I don't really want to talk about this guy dying on the ice that much, but apparently Ryan was in the mood because he yeah, gave us a series of s- tweets. Step away from it and start a conversation <laughs> where I was like, I have exactly two references for Carry On My Wayward Son, and it's Happy Gilmore and like a Time Life compilation. <laughs> yeah. And they would just put, pick the exact same seconds to play. No, seriously, that whole that movie soundtrack, you just throw it on some oldie station, it's exactly the same shit. Just fucking, it's magic and fucking, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, they also listen to Endless Love in the Dark, so. Friends listen to Endless Love in the Dark? <laughs> I haven't watched that movie in several years now. I feel like I should probably give it my... 100th watch or whatever see if it holds up see if there's anything in there where you go ah you can't really do that no more who played the guy who got his hand bit by the damn gator that's um fucking uh the fucking Apollo Creed what's his fucking name is that a... <sighs> this is what happens man we do this podcast Why after my fucking blanket on this my whole my whole fucking day is over and my brain is exhausted um, <clears throat> Carl Weathers. <sighs> Carl Weathers. Thank you, Gator Internet. Bit his damn hand off. Oh, I'm sorry, because you're black. Hell no! Damn alligator <laughs> bit my hand off. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Well, I guess probably one more hockey thought. Ryan asks. They missed their. Or says they missed their chance at drafting Bedard. So I don't know why they're still apparently tanking. I don't know, man. There's probably some other. Every every year, that someone is tabbed as a generational prospect because no one seems to know what that word means. So I bet there's somebody that everyone's desperate to get. And the short, it'll probably be like a lottery thing where they'll get the worst record and they still won't get the top pick. But um, <clears throat> I remember they were uh, the two guys they were thinking of drafting late in the first round last year were named Bonk. And butt. Yep. I remember that was the big choice. Who are they going to draft? Bonk or butt? I was like, fucking hockey's amazing. Yeah, there was a great article based on that premise, for sure. Mm-hmm. You just had to look at it and go, wow. Yeah, that's hockey. Um, I guess it's time for a segment called Fun with AI. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I once, Last time we got it working, so now I wanted to send a whole bunch of fucking audio clips. <laughs> Yeah, alas, we were able to get it working to play that really good RoboCop clip, yes. um, which, of course, I still think about. It's fantastic. Daily. I don't I don't know anything about Randy and his fucking Oreos. <laughs> uh, 
Um, let's start with you retweeted uh, John Frankensteiner. Also, that's a great name. Mm-hmm. Who says, I put Van Morrison into a Chinese translator and I feel like I'm going insane. So here's a little clip of an AI dub of Van Morrison. In a live performance. Yeah. Now, you're the company that makes this translator. Uh You see this video. Do you hang it up? Be, or are you because like, you're never going to do better actually, than that's, this? That's very impressive. You have no idea how hard that is to do. That was unbelievable, dude. It's all the inflections and everything. The it fucking goes for it when Van goes for it. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. it's It's got to keep making noise as long as his lips are moving. It did so good, man. I don't speak, of obviously, a fucking lick of Mandarin, but that sounded perfect to me. Sounded fucking perfect. And as far as I know, that was great. This this clip of Van Morrison's great anyway because he looks like he's fucking wrecked. Looks oh, just yeah. hammered as can be, and he's fucking like doubling over all the time, and he's he looks like he's gonna fucking collapse on stage. And he's in a fucking terrible outfit that is also ill-fitting. Some seventies jumpsuit nonsense, and uh, fucking I don't know. Every time he every time he starts to scat a little bit or something. And the Chinese translator has to do it. It sounds so fucking good. Um, but we have more. Yeah. Uh, your your pal Bum Chillips wrote, not going to lie, I could drink a beer to this. So let me see if I can get this. No, 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 no. We got to start from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is titled, What Bro Country Sounds Like to People Who Don't Like Bro Country. Truck, jeans, beer, girl, creep, boots, truck, tan legs, train, dog, beer, Dixie cup. Got a beer in my beard and a Chevy in my truck. Got a dog at the wheel, cut off jeans, truck. Dirt road, back road, beer, moonlight, red, white, and blue, girl, Friday night. I got my boots in the dirt. Got the dirt from a dirt road beneath my truck. Got the I truck got my from boots. my girl. She's got the dirt. I got the dirt from the dirt road beneath my truck. Got the truck from my girl. She's got the dirt. I got the dirt from the dirt road beneath my truck. Got the truck from my girl. She's got them boots in the dirt. Got the dirt from the dirt road. Got a beer in my beer and a Chevy in my truck. Got a dog at the wheel. There are things I really like. I love the counterpoint, and I love the idea of just putting together cut off jeans truck. Very truck beer cut off jeans truck is just a very good, very good line to pen. Yeah, now that is that's very well executed. And if you watch the video, you can see the actual tracks, and they're labeled like Luke Bryan AI and stuff like that. Uh, when the, so, you start you know. to hear the one, the third voice in Counterpoint going, truck beer. <laughs> yep. Really good. 
And yes, I admit I am not a fan of country music, and so maybe that uh, <clears throat> maybe that plays into it. But um, but you know, uh, I described this to Katie. I didn't make her listen to it because she uh, she doesn't like unpleasant noise. <laughs> and uh, also to her, that's most noise. That puts her in the extreme minority. Most people love terrible, yeah. horrible yeah, 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 noises. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, when I described it to her, she said, so the computer's making the same joke that people have been making for 40 years? Yes, but now an AI can make it. That's right. Mankind has achieved Mach 3, didn't you tell her? <laughs> <laughs> well, the next day, you posted uh, someone who said, I put the Chinese Van Morrison into an English translator, <laughs> and I don't know anymore. So let's sure. let's see what that's like here. Come on. Okay. Turn up your cash register. <laughs> I love the crowd cheering. Eternity, 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 eternity. <laughs> Open your computer. <laughs> we can start to make mistakes. Real mistakes. <laughs> I like holding. Backup singer. So you know he has a soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> Turn on your cash register, man. I like how it kept all the Chinese inflection. So it's making the crazy howling noises that the Chinese translator made, but then translating it into crazy English. Ugh. Man, it's okay to touch it. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <sighs> That's my shit right there, man. <clears throat> Stuff like that makes me All laugh right. way more than it makes anybody else laugh. That's why when we play Job Job, I laugh so fucking hard. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> job Job was built for you, for sure. Nonsense English <laughs> makes me laugh all the time. Like 90% of those Jackbox games, it's just you and me making each other laugh. <laughs> and everyone else Man, sort of trying to play a game. Fully 80% of the time, I'm only making a joke that I will like, and that means that there's a good chance you'll like it too, but that's not important. I'm literally just like, I'm writing a thing that's going to make me laugh. This is a joke for me. I'm doing this just for me. I don't care how many points I fucking get. It does not matter. <clears throat> oh. Four days ago, Ryan wrote, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like none of the Star Trek shows spend a whole lot of effort explaining what happened to all of humanity's major religions by the warp era. 
no, I mean, they're all still fucking <laughs> big time Christians in TOS. Yeah. Because of network notes. Yes. Um, but by TNG, the idea of religion is laughable. So yeah, it's hard to say what fucking happened. Yeah, that's um it is true, huh? There's uh there's one mention of Diwali. Yep. In one TNG episode. <laughs> yeah. They don't even talk about things like uh, uh, holidays that have become completely commercialized or anything. They don't even talk about Christmas or nothing. I mean, no, I know that and... Picard has his Victorian fantasy. It's Christmas, but it's yes. in the movie. <laughs> I think I, I've always wondered if part of that is that they have it set up canonically so that every every season ends in December. So they're just they're fucking always busy. Yeah, there's it's always like... a fucking big cliffhanger event happening right around Christmas. Yeah, it's Christmas, but by the way, the Borgs are back. Or uh, yeah, Lore's with them this time. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Lore's Christmas back. to us. We got Lore and the Borg. <laughs> cool. Hey, hey Data, I got you the a Dominion present. Wars finally kicking off. <laughs> For Christmas, I'm taking you on a planetary survey in the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> you and Nog, it's gonna be a blast. <clears throat> I feel like the Ferengi would love though. Christmas. Think all the shit they oh, could yeah. sell. That'd be their main shit for sure. Yeah, man. I don't know what to say. Babylon 5 did it better. They talk about all kinds of religious stuff in Babylon 5. Ivanova's Jewish and she gotta do Jewish stuff. But also they talk about when it's Christmas at the end of the year. And also the fucking all the religions that come to Babylon 5 in the one episode. And the uh, Sheridan gets advice from that pastor. And there's like all this shit comes up in Babylon 5 but uh, Star Trek they ain't, they ain't gonna deal with none of that that's a lot for them yeah <clears throat> and you do sort of you do have to imagine that uh, when Picard shouts at Q that nonsense is centuries behind us <laughs> he, Q didn't say nothing about religion but he's throwing that in there anyway yeah yeah for sure yeah um, yeah it's just one of the many things Star Trek shows um don't spend any effort explaining. Uh, Ryan also writes <clears throat> at Brother Date, trying to wrap my brain around one facility, let alone one lab on a ship consuming five terawatts that isn't Lawrence Livermore. I mean, I get that they have a warp engine powering the ship and all, but still. Yeah, I guess that must uh, be it that they're like. I gotta do some scans. And those scans, they just eat up that juice, man. <clears throat> like, oh man, this is a stellar cartography lab. We gotta really gotta look at that star or whatever. So we're gonna use our juiciest fucking deflector fed sensors that we got. I'm trying to see how powerful the lasers are like military lasers yeah the ones that they uh, put on a C-130 or whatever yeah this truck system the army's developing seems to have a 300 kilowatt laser that's obviously that ain't it so uh, seven orders of magnitude smaller than five terawatts six or seven orders turn on so your computer <laughs> Yep. Uh, 
and yeah, 150 kilowatt shipboard lasers. <coughs> yeah, I mean, five terawatts is a ton, but um, yeah, especially when you consider that uh, Voyager only pulled in, you know, f- 48 pounds <laughs> of uh, anti-deuterium, I, or was it just deuterium? That was plenty. No, it was just deuterium. Okay, I think. and it was plenty. Silver Bloods episode. That's all they needed, man. Don't worry about it. No one's going to ask about it ever again. Maybe, um, maybe it was only getting five terawatts for the length of time his finger was on the button. So it wasn't that much actual energy. Yeah, it was like a rate. It was five terawatts per second. Now that'd be a lot per per minute but you know, oh, blasted it for a few seconds tera- watts are okay watts are a measure of power so it already is per second all right per second's a <laughs> that's lot that's why though. that's a lot that's why you pay for kilowatt hours so you multiply it by the length of time to determine the actual energy used which should be in uh joules it could be in joules or it could be kilowatt hours also and parsecs it could be in a certain number of parsecs yeah <clears throat> but um yeah i when they don't when they just make something up and they're like the this computer has of uh, 15 giga quads yeah of computer right per core yeah. and you're like all right that don't mean nothing <laughs> when they use a real world number then you have to think about it yeah i know when they say bilateral calilacteral then it's fine Everyone knows about those calilacterals. The bilateral ones? Bilateral calilacterals. Yeah. And to close the mailbag here, um, well, Jose Canseco tweeted, for appearances, contact Ozzy Canseco. (laughs) 352-300-6167. Ozzy at px4040.com. That's the product they're always trying to sell. Um... I think what he means, he doesn't say it, but he means is uh, Ozzy will be the one showing up to your event. <laughs> but he'll say I mean, he's Jose. You won't know the difference. That's the implication. Yeah, you won't know the difference, but like, that's who's going to be showing up is Ozzy. He's just as swole as me, which is very difficult. His full-time job is to keep up with my swoleness. And uh, he may be a little bit less twitchy than me, <laughs> but you won't be bothered by that. I promise. No. Honestly, most people prefer it when Ozzy shows up. Yeah, so please contact Ozzy. He'll show up to your stupid thing. <clears throat> well, good. We did a mailbag. Yeah, we did. Uh, unfortunately, that's the easy part of the episode. What are we talking about? We just get about? to listen to Van Morrison and um, <laughs> cut off Gene's truck. <laughs> I... Um... I don't know what you mean. The hard part of our week is definitely over. That's the part where we had to watch them and think about them. Now all we got to do is say words. This is easy. I suppose we should just jump right into it then. Let's say Uh, words. The uh, worst episode last week. I mean, we were spoiled for choice. And and we're going to be spoiled for choice. Often. Yeah, it's usually the case these days. Which one's the worst? I don't know, man. Take your pick. Uh, We're going to start by describing... The Next Generation episode, Face of the Enemy. Let's 
I got a Modelo going. Yeah, this is a $9 bottle of Madeira. Ooh, that sounds like Modelo. But fancy. It does. If Modelo was a sweet wine. All right, Troy wakes up in a Romulan room, in a Romulan uniform, and in a Romulan facial appliance. Hmm. She realizes she's not on the Enterprise and stumbles over to a vanity and manages to light up a weird triangular mirror. But, you know, Romulan stuff. Oh, look, man, I'll just uh, one of my quick hitters. That fucking light switch thing on there must be hella universal because she didn't know where she was or what was happening, but she got <laughs> that light on pretty quick. Yep. <laughs> it is not one of the acclimation problems she has in this episode. No, she's like so. groaning and like walking around in the dark in her fucking hideous Romulan uniform. Yeah. But she still manages to get that fucking light switch on pretty quick. <clears throat> she uh she gasps when she sees herself. Um but she don't look that different. But I guess well she never thought she'd look good. I guess good she's got to pretend that she does. <laughs> and then she <laughs> sees she it and she's like, "Oh, wait a minute. That's not so bad." I'm saying it's not when Kira was a Cardassian or whatever. No, no, I do, I, I do wonder if maybe Navek should have gone a little harder and just told her she was a Romulan and seen if she maybe started to believe him. <laughs> See if he could have pulled that off. Yeah. Navek, I think, didn't know who he was dealing with. It seems like they grabbed any Federation, any Starfleet officer. Yeah, so. they didn't even necessarily. They weren't even counting. We'll f- talk about it, but they weren't even really counting on her powers or anything. Nope. They were just nope. like, nah, we needed a Starfleet, and you were at this conference, and we love to nab people from fucking conferences. Don't go to a conference in the 24th century, man. We would have preferred to snatch your shuttle out of the sky and send someone else in your place. Um, Because all all of the the lookalikes were busy doing Voyager this week, so (laughs) it wasn't possible. That's right. Yeah. um, We see an interstitial shot that tells us we're on a D. Derridix-class warbird. Mm, A type B? Romulan warbird? A type B-type warbird, yeah. And... uh, and then Subcommander Nevek barges into Troy's room and tells her, this is the Imperial Romulan Warbird Kazara. He's Subcommander Nevek, of course. He calls her counselor, so he knows who she is. She has a vague memory of being hyposprayed at a neuropsychology seminar on uh, Bokara 6. So I just they- thought about it, and like I don't know if they were watching her or if... This is how her name appears in the file, but they, he leads with counselor and not like her rank or anything like that. Uh-huh. So I guess that's, I guess that's her deal. She yeah, is, it is counselor weird. Troy to everybody. It's like she appears as in the show Bible as counselor Troy. Yeah, and that's how everyone thinks of her. But like, it is you're right that it's weird that it's not Lieutenant Commander Troy or whatever. Yeah, or just uh, Deanna Troy or yeah. something. <clears throat> Uh, she's still feeling disoriented from that hypo spray, but there's fucking no time to rest because Nevek expects Commander Toreth to call for her soon. Troy is going to be playing the role of Major Recall of the Tall Shi'ar, which is Imperial Intelligence. Mm. Uh, she's supposed to keep her fake intelligence mission a secret and order the ship to the Caleb Sector, and she doesn't have any other option, you know, than to play along because. Uh, She's not in a good place here. Yeah, man. He has to remind her, I think a couple times in this episode, you're a Starfleet officer, and uh, that ain't gonna go so good if they figure that part out. No. No, no, no. So they go up to the bridge, 
where the Kazara is uh, taking on cargo from some planet. She gets off to a rocky start with Toreth, um, mainly being very meek and passive. Mm. But then when she gets backed into a corner, she finally finds a more commanding tone of voice and refuses to let her open the cargo and orders her to the Caleb sector as uh, as instructed. Yeah. Meanwhile, Enterprise reaches Research Station 75 to bring someone aboard. But Picard, in his captain's log, in his official captain's <laughs> log, doesn't say who the man is. Yeah. No, not by name or even by reference to what he did and why he's why it's important. Yep. He just says something like a rather unique passenger. Yep. He leaves it a mystery for anyone reading his logs. Just uh, yes. the opposite of the way uh, he treats Wesley Crusher. All of his <laughs> all of his adventures must be very uh, precisely detailed in Captain Picard's log. Mm-hmm. Wesley yeah, went no, skiing is... today. Dear diary. This is more. This is more like the kind of thing you'd find in an audio log in, uh, like, on a derelict spaceship in a video game, and yeah. you'd learn through other logs or you'd terminal have to find entries some other or something clues. what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I assume whoever reads this back at Starfleet is irritated by it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he has to, like, cross-reference a bunch of stuff to figure out what the fuck Picard's talking about when he brought about this unique passenger. Captain's log. Wesley was late for his haircut today. His mother was cross. <laughs> two and two ensigns on some fucking relay station, and one of them says the other one. I usually fast forward through this <laughs> kind of stuff. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, Worf and Crusher are talking about this passenger on the way to the transporter room. Worf says he is a dishonorable traitor. And Crusher says maybe he realized he made a mistake. And uh, Riker says it's 20 years too late. And then um, Ensign DeSev beams in in a Romulan uniform. And Riker arrests him for treason. and uh, But also tells him, take off that fucking uniform. Well, that's you know, Riker's that main my, my main thing is to go to the transporter room and <laughs> shout at people about their clothing and accessories. <laughs> that's right. He's on point today. Um, he needs to speak to Picard immediately. So Picard comes down to his quarters, where DeSev uh, claims to be carrying a message from Ambassador Spock and tells him the Enterprise needs to rendezvous with a Corvallan freighter in the Caleb sector. Yeah. Uh, Picard wants to know why he's come back. He's not willing to take him at face value. He, he says a bunch of dumb stuff about, I need to understand the messenger. Hmm. The man carrying the message or whatever. Yeah, is this where the guy tells them all about how bats taste? <laughs> it's where he should tell them about how bats I feel like I missed taste. that part on the rewatch. I couldn't find it. It was weird that it wasn't in there. Yeah, because that was his whole deal, remember? Yeah, no, in the version that's available on Paramount Plus. <laughs> oh, I should, I should get the Blu-ray. About... On the Blu-ray, I bet that's still in there when yeah. he talks about how he, because of Romulus, <laughs> he knows how bats taste. And that's sort of the main reason he came back. Yeah, no, in this one, in this version, for some reason, he just says that, like, Romulans have a very black and white outlook on society, and when he was 20 and dumb, that seemed super that kind cool. of, that kind of appealed to him, yeah, that no seemed really, shades of gray or whatever. Really yeah. fucking sophisticated to me when I was 20 or whatever. But then he fucking grew out of it or something, and anyway, it's very vague, but it's fucking good enough to for Picard, who... Yeah. 
uh, takes the Enterprise to the Caleb sector also. It's extremely vague. It's as vague it's... as you can make anything. He doesn't say any specific reason why he betrayed the Federation or why he is back. It's all yep. generalities. It's crazy. It's, it is. It is very much like... Listen, I didn't think that hard about it before I did it, and I didn't think that hard about it before I came back. So. That's right. And now you've got me in the corner, and I'm like, I don't really have an answer. And That just sounded cool, the thing I said. It sounded cool, right? Anyway, go ahead and send me to New Zealand, I guess. Um, on the Kazara, Troy meets Nevek in a cargo bay, and he reveals to her that they are carrying Vice Pro Consul Moret and two of his top aides. Mm, some people call are, him Emret, but... Emret, has, he has been called Emret before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> who are defecting to the Federation in fear of their lives. And Spock is hoping to use this as kind of a trial balloon to establish an escape route for other Romulan dissidents. Yeah, it was very insulting that they floated Spock's name in this episode to try to make it seem <laughs> like there, there was gravitas to this plot. It's also, well, we'll fucking talk about it, but it seems like they've forgotten that Spock's uh, thing is that he wants reunification, and now he's just, like, helping enemies of the Romulan state get out of there. Yep. Um, Troy also learns more about the Tal Shiar. Uh, We're told that they enforce loyalty and that they scare (laughs) the hell out of the regular military. Yeah. So plan A here is for the Kazara to rendezvous with a Corvallan freighter where Troy will take the cargo aboard and escort it to Starfleet headquarters. We don't, the part is not explained where then that freighter rendezvous with Enterprise, but I guess that's the next part. Right. He's not ready to tell her plan B yet, only that they killed the real Major Recall and kidnapped her in case they needed a Starfleet officer. Yep. <clears throat> next, she has to attend dinner in the wardroom. And she's walking in right as Toreth is telling a story about wiping out a Klingon squadron and getting a medal with the twist for Troy's benefit being that the intelligence officer on the mission was executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Troy at first is like, I'm not, I should not go to that dinner. That seems like a bad idea. And then the guy's like, no, 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 you'll be expected to attend. And she just has to go in there and it's like, she's like, great, good, because I know all this stuff about Romulan culture and customs. This is uh-huh. going to go really well. I know you're supposed I'm to toast I'm definitely ready to only, hold my own at a dinner party. Only with your left hand, because with your right hand uh-huh. is, is insulting. This is going to go really well. Why would that guy send her in there? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it is 100% a bad call. I couldn't even do that in Korea, and I've watched 10,000 hours of Korean television. If I was going to, like, a really important dinner... Where I had to be super on the ball, or else I'd be fucking executed as a traitor. There's no way I could do that. No, and and by the way, Troy has previously not given one tenth of one shit about the Romulans. <laughs> this right. is not an interest or passion of hers in any way. Yeah, I just uh, but that guy's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And she fucking immediately fucking falls into that fucking venerine trap. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Torith invites Troy to try the venerine. But she don't know what that is. She grabs a dish randomly, and of course it's not Venerine. Yeah. And she's lucky that Toreth hates her so much <laughs> she thinks it's that just she just insult. assumes that she's being insulted. Yep. She just assumes she's being a bitch about it. 
uh, she <laughs> fires back by expounding her own views on the tall she are, that they trust no one and expect disloyalty, so they always find it. And then Troy repeats the one thing she knows about the tall she are, because she just heard it one scene ago, mm. that they ensure loyalty and protect the Empire. And here we go. It turns out the tall she are killed Toreth's old dad, and she's salty about it. Turns out she's kind of a Jonathan Archer. Just yeah. walking around all the time talking about her daddy. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, as was the case in 80 out of the 100 episodes of Enterprise, yeah. it's a big weakness for Torad. It really is. It messes up her whole shit all the time. She's just fucking broadcasting her biggest weakness out into the world consistently. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, yeah, it gets her in trouble here. The freighter approaches during dinner. Again, <laughs> no one can plan shit in space. Time zones must be really hard. I guess no one was making contact with the freighter, and this was not a scheduled rendezvous. Toreth just got told to go to this system. So this is not her fault, but it's like, this would happen on the Enterprise, and everyone at the dinner would know when the thing was going to happen. I can only... You know, sometimes, like, I'll tell a client, uh, yeah, no, I'm available at 11 Eastern, because, like, they're in Eastern time. But then when I send the invite, I just fucking I whoopsie it and I send it 11 Central because I'm in Central time. And then they're like, hey, mm-hmm. I thought you said it's going to be 11 Eastern. And I'm like, ah, shit, son of a bitch. And I have to resend it for the right time. Um, time zones are even harder in space, man. I imagine that they are, yeah. That but Troy. They're always fucking up. Troy, I think, has one bite of not Venerine the whole time she's in Romulan makeup. That's her. That's the entire thing that she subsists so on. By the end, she's probably weak from hunger. Um, Troy orders the freighter hailed, but as the captain starts speaking to Toreth, Troy uh, sidles over and tells Nevek under her breath that the captain's lying, and Nevek blasts it to hell. Yeah. And then he tells Toreth that uh, Major Recall <laughs> gave the order. He's it's so weird. He expects so much of Troy the whole time. Uh-huh. And she hella delivers, but like what's wrong with this guy? It's like the Romulans have some idea about humans that they're all just extremely competent improv. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just like put them in any situation, they're going to be totally fine. And by the way, maybe it is part of Starfleet training. Uh fucking Janeway tries to throw one to Tuvok too. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When was that last week? Was it I this mean, week or it's last this week? Because she, she's got this week. It's so bad. She's got to outdo yeah. the lady in the yeah. prison scale. Anyway. She, yeah, she is just going to fucking <laughs> throw a hot improv comedy sports to rock Tuvok. over to Tuvok. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Starfleet officers are supposed to be good at this, but Troy didn't go to the academy because she's a psychologist or something. Anyway, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, anyway, he blames it on her. <laughs> He blames it on her. Torah is pretty pissed. Uh, but after some shouting, she leaves it at a log entry and exceeds when Troy orders her to engage the cloak and hold position and wait. Mm. Enterprise drops out of warp. Uh, so- somewhere else in the Caleb sector, which is big, I guess. Sure. Uh, there's no sign of the freighter. So Picard calls Franson to Sev, who admits that he didn't. Okay, actually, I didn't get this message directly from Spock. I've never met Spock, but I do trust the guy who gave it to me. Yeah, he Mordocks it a little bit, for sure. Mendon, but also it Mendons tur- it? I don't remember. He Mendons it, yeah. Well, listen, Mordock was cooler than Mendon, but we didn't... I guess he was still at the Academy. Still probably. entering the Academy. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
it turns out that he also knows a little bit more about the freighter they were supposed to meet, including its range, which is helpful. Yeah. Troy calls Navek back to the cargo bay because she's decided the, this public space is where she's going to yell at him about killing all the people on the freighter. Um, and now he reveals his plan B. He wants her to take the ship to the Federation starbase on Draken Four. Uh-huh. which will require her access codes for the gravitic sensor net. Which I know she, that was a very Voyager sentence I just said. Which she definitely has. She definitely yeah. has them and has memorized them. That's so a memory item for Troy, yep. for sure. The sensor code, the here. gravitic sensor net code. I'll just fucking say it here because what the fuck. <clears throat> gravitic sensor nets with access codes that Deanna Troy has memorized for some reason. That's in my world building. This is... Yeah. Like the Cardassians fucking two weeks ago thought for sure that Picard would know what the defense plan was for Minos Corva or uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, this guy's this guy's sure that Troy has them censored. And to be fair, she doesn't say, I don't know those. Yeah, no, she seems all right. She's like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to use my special codes. I'm on a ship that has 600 civilians, and my job is to talk to children and women who are going through a bad breakup. <laughs> yeah. Toreth, as you'd expect, is not excited about these new orders, but Troy bullies are into it. But before they can head out, Enterprise rolls up. Yeah. <clears throat> Torith is ready. Enterprise rolls up, and that fucking statue manning the station in the front is like, it's the Enterprise. They fucking know it by name. He's like, by name, this is important. This Uh is the Enterprise. Uh Um, Torith wants to beat feet now. She wants to move out at maneuvering speed, and then when they get out of the debris field of the ship they wiped, uh, go to warp. Yeah, man, she heard what Picard did to Tomalak. She ain't interested. Uh, meanwhile, data detects uh, the residue of Romulan disruptor fire, so it's red alert on the Enterprise. Now Troy orders Navek to find a way. By the way, it's going to take him half an hour to clear this debris field, so I don't know how Romulan weapons work. But uh, yeah, they blasted that thing all over the place, and then because they the, they're only doing their maneuvering thrusters, yeah, it's going to take hella long. So there's enough time for there to be for Troy and Navek to leave the bridge at the same time. So she can order him to find a way to make the ship traceable. And uh, now she says, or I'll just uh, tell her you're a traitor and have you executed. Yeah, she really fucking starts to feel her fucking. She really gets into the character in a way that I think Novak was not ready for. No. (laughs) But also, you said Uh, that they leave at the same time. There's one scene in this where he's like, you leave a minute after me so that it's not suspicious. Yeah, but like on the way to dinner. You guys are so suspicious. Why are you her personal? Why are you her personal escort? How come Torith at no point is like, what's up with you and your best friend over there? Why are you guys always together? What's the fucking deal? No one says anything. I don't think we know what Navek's job on the ship is. We know that he's sub commander, and that seems like the next rank down. So plausibly, he's the first officer. But for all we know, uh, the Stone Man who doesn't get a name, is yep. actually the first officer on that. I mean, I know that she Could refers be. to him as pilot, and that doesn't seem yeah, promising. Seems, but... It seems kind of dismissive, actually. <laughs> it's like when sometimes when Kirk, you could tell he's kind of aggravated with Spock, and he just calls him science officer, and you're like, oh, yes, geez. they're having a fight. <laughs> I hate to see it. Yeah, she, she's always calling this guy pilot. It's rough. 
Uh, Nivek comes up with a plan that he thinks probably won't work, but sure enough, Data registers it immediately. Although they don't know quite what they're seeing, but luckily, uh, <laughs> Picard just has Desev hanging out on the bridge now. So he could tell them that he thinks that might be a cloaked ship. And yeah, they, he's uh, just hanging to run out in his theory. fucking plum onesie with all his fucking man boobs and other bits just kind of poking out of that thing. It's the <laughs> it's a real Troy outfit that he's wearing. So unfortunate. <laughs> Someone told costuming this is kind of a sad broken man. <laughs> and they were like, "Got it. Please accentuate all of his personal weaknesses. Say no more. Can you this make his body match his broken personality?" Without hey, can you give this actor who I'm sure has a perfectly normal body something yes. deeply unflattering to wear? Yeah, it's the kind of thing where even if your body is fine, it's going to look fucking terrible. Like you give to Troy every week. You can do this. Yeah, I know just, you, you know. I know she actually, works on her fitness constantly and she still looks awful in these things. He's probably too tall to actually wear her gray one, right? <laughs> but that's the style we're going for. Yeah. Um, so they start heading towards the Kazara. Toreth doesn't like that, and she wants to slip in under the Enterprise, and if they make a move like they're detected, attack it from below, <laughs> which everyone knows is the weak spot on a Federation starship, I guess. Hell yeah, man. Blast it right in the fucking bottle or whatever. Um, and as they start moving in, Enterprise backs down, and Toreth gives the order to fire, but Troy countermands it and takes the center seat. Uh, she uncloaks and calls Enterprise, where... For the first time in history, mm. everyone manages to keep their fucking mouths closed on the bridge when they see Troy. Yeah, they all realize it's her, but you're right. No, there's no one in, in fucking Jordy or Wesley or Data's seat or whatever in the front going, that's, tr that's Troy. And they don't, they even don't understand their mouths agape like they fucking usually do. Yeah. yeah this they, time they they're all together. able to play it vaguely cool. Mm-hmm. Um... She blames the former captain for destroying the freighter. She asks to lower the shield so she can come aboard. Um, Picard orders Worf to keep a transporter lock on her no matter what, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the shields are down, she orders the ship to fire on Enterprise. Yeah. But, but they fire on it, but with no power, and the three Romulans are beamed over to the bridge, which thankfully at this point is no longer on the view screen. Yeah, that would have seen that Because the area shit. where they beam into is usually visible. Yeah. I think after this, they explained that somehow it was the disruptor was linked into the transporter. So yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. beam we see literally sent the dudes over there. We definitely missed any kind of any scene where uh, Troy and Nivek slipped back yeah. to the cargo bay. And talked about this part of the plan. And figured out this part of the plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Are we supposed well, to... That's what happened. Is this one of those fucking double, triple cross movies where everything is part of the plan, no matter what? No matter how crazy <laughs> it seems? Because I don't well, understand the, 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 how they figured this There should be an Ocean's Eleven-style flashback where they show. Yes. Then and what then, we'll do. Exactly. Well, no problem. We'll just uh, connect the uh, disruptor into the transporter. I mean, beam them right over. No one will be any the wiser. <clears throat> Nivek tries to act like uh, like it was a weapons malfunction, but apparently this is roughly as plausible as Data's bullshit theory. Yeah, no uh, from clues. That shit. Yeah, uh, Toreth goes right over there and uh, dis discovers the deception, reasserts command. It's weird. And, a uh, Romulan the on the bridge wearing a visor feels like he has to personally apologize for how fucking <laughs> dumb what Nivek said was. <laughs> That's right. He's like. 
I, I'm surprised he even. I'm surprised Novak even attempted to. I just want that. I want to make it clear I that I'm. I'm very sorry about what he said, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna do, all do better. Um, the pilot who is uh, on Toreth's side vaporizes Novak, so he's gone. Troy refuses to answer any questions. Toreth drops the shields to cloak and go to warp, and but hey, warp still had that lock on her, so uh, yeah, they beam her the fuck out of there. I assume we can only assume because we don't get to see that Toreth, uh, I don't know, shouts like an angry cartoon villain and stomps her feet as the Enterprise hey, flies away with Troy. We were, ne- we're never going to follow up on this, but this whole thing is a very bad look for Toreth. No, Toreth's in deep shit. I don't think she gets her command, but I think that's it for her. Yeah, it seems like she's going to be in trouble here. She goes to um, fucking whatever the Romulan version of uh, fucking Rurapente is or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> Enterprise races away, and after a little reconstructive surgery, Picard and Troy debrief in sickbay. For some reason, Picard thinks that this has paved the way for further rescue operations. No, he doesn't. That's literally, it's weird. He didn't ever have that thought until the writer wrote it, and it, it fucking flew right into his brain, and he just said it for no reason. If you if you follow Picard after that scene, you see him go, what did, I, what did I just say? I'm sorry. What did I say? I meant to say, this sounds like an absolute clusterfuck. <laughs> what did I, did I say something about Spock? And, uh, <laughs> wait, did I say Nevek's courage is gonna, <laughs> what the fuck happened? But we don't get to see that part because it cuts away. Yeah, the end. Matt, what's this one about? Oh, well, I'll just say right off the bat, I enjoyed this episode much more than I possibly have the right to score it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I wrote, hey man, think fast, hot potato. Yeah. Troy really had to think on her feet there, huh? I couldn't come up with anything at all. It's definitely not the thing Picard says at the end about people like Nevek sacrificing himself for the fucking freedom of the Romulan people or whatever. We weren't even supposed to like Nevek. He killed hella people. Troy is very mad at him. Yeah. He was never redeemed. We know of like nineteen or twenty people that he killed. He says that like we know of. he says this won't be the last. I'm gonna kill as many fucking people as I can out here because this is my big opportunity to murder for a reason. And if the pilot had been a little slower on the draw, Toreth would have been number twenty. That's right. So uh, he was never redeemed. He's not. This is not the defector. He's not Aladar Jarok. Um, they just thought like they needed a wrap up comment from Picard, and they tried to reuse the one from the defector, and it don't make any sense. Uh, so I gave it a zero. Oh, shit. I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't think of what the episode was really trying to say. I mean, there's some vague stuff in there about how you can't, like, if everything you do is based on paranoia, then you can't ever win people's loyalty. But, like, she wasn't even trying to win their loyalty. So I don't know. I don't know what it was about. Maybe you got something. Maybe you and Chaco came up with something. I do, but I'm also, I'm just enjoying now the thought that probably we don't have the same episodes in (laughs) the same episode order. Our Our scores were very similar this week. But not necessarily the same ones in the same order. But possibly we didn't score the same episodes. So here's where I'm on this one. Okay. I think there's something in this episode about how it's a mistake not to trust someone because of who they are. Like because of some big group or characteristic. Okay. It manifests in the two halves in different ways. In the A-plot, Toreth's hatred towards the tall Shi'ar really makes her miss some clues 
about Troy and Nevek's plot against her. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's like, a mess. Like you said, she's a fucking mess. Yeah. It's not that she should trust Troy, but she should be noticing some oddities that she's just bulldozing past because she hates the tall she are. And she needs everybody to know how brave she is that she's willing to say that. Right. In the very thin B plot, Worf is constantly hammering home that Decev is a traitor and shouldn't be trusted or listened to at all. And he's telling Picard, like, who cares about the words of a traitor, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But if Picard didn't hear him out and give him the benefit of a doubt, he never would have been able to rescue Troy, Moret, et cetera, Amaret. And Picard extends this trust even after the first piece of information looks sketchy. It's not like... It's not a well-defined message, but it is the sort of a prejudice blinds you take. Okay. And I gave it a four. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Execution. This one's okay. Okay. It's uh, sort of a hunt for Red October story. And uh, Troy is genuinely in some very tense situations here. And despite what everyone says about the Tal Shiar becomes pretty clear that she only has as much authority as she can sort of bluster through. Sure. You know, like, she sort of makes her own authority with her attitude here. Yeah, the threat of the Tal Shiar is the shady shit they might do to you uh, yes. off the books or whatever, and you can't, if you don't talk about that shit, you can't really use it. So, yes. she's gotta be threatening. Yes, exactly. Um, the problem is, at the end, they act like this mission went well. <laughs> When I think the only thing that's remotely successful about it is that Toreth doesn't know what the cargo was at the end. Yep. Yeah, she knows but they transferred some shit to the Enterprise. <laughs> yes. It's hard to imagine that the real Tal Shiar is going to be able to, or, or that people acting as the Tal Shiar, rather, are going to be able to hijack military ships from mystery cargo runs going forward. Yeah. After what happened one. here. Uh, also... Once the real Tal Shiar starts digging into Nevek's life, they very well may tie the whole thing back to whatever this dissident movement is. Sure. So it feels like the ending should have been, glad to have you back, but I feel like this method is burned now. Yeah, not the thing about how we do This is going to be, this is legit. We're going to get so many fucking cool dissidents now. (laughs) Also, this is the rare episode where I wanted more B-plot. About did this guy defect. Yes. Yeah, man, they ain't interested in it. Again, he asks him at point blank, and the guy gives him the most bullshit fucking answer. <laughs> yes. And, Picard, and you're, like you said, Picard goes, all right, that's fine. That's good enough. Yeah. Well, like, I want to know what finally soured him on the Romulans. Is it again that he now he knows what bat tastes like? <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's not a thing you want to know. Yeah, it just feels like a wasted opportunity to learn about them. And we, sure, the Tal Shiar aspect is actually new for this episode, and we are learning something about them through that, too. But, like, and then also, Spock's movement was underground, but dedicated to reunification, and now it seems like they're just dissidents acting to destabilize the re- regime, and, and now they're willing to kill people and oh, yeah, man. kill quite a few people to do this. That guy's but, like, um, on Spock's orders, I killed a hundred people yesterday. <laughs> But, you know, on the whole, my thoughts about this episode are um, give me more Carolyn Seymour as a Romulan anytime. Yeah, sure. Uh, I gave it a five. Okay. Uh, I always thought Troy was kind of a Streisand, but she kicked ass on this one. Um, what is this convoluted as hell plot? You can't just put Spock's name on it and then suddenly it makes sense. Who's defecting? Why? 
What are the stakes? Who's this other former defector, this blonde bowl cut motherfucker? Why are they yeah. listening to Troy? Why did they stop listening to Troy? Man, I'm not sure any of this made sense, but it was fun. I like this Romulan <laughs> yes, commander. It was a fun little caper. This Romulan commander seems principled in her own way. And I don't hate Nevek. Uh, he's clearly got some Garrick in him or something. Uh, oh, yeah. And that blonde guy with all his lumps hanging out of that onesie, he he knows what bat tastes like. He does. But it, I didn't, I just, it didn't seem like it was thought out at all. Like it wasn't really about anything and they didn't really put a lot of thought into why things were happening and it showed. <coughs> like you watch the episode and you're like, I don't really understand why any of these people are doing the things they're doing and why this should make sense. Um, so I can only give it a three, even though I did enjoy it. Uh, well, what about world building? We got uh, the Kazara. We got a neuropsychology seminar on Borka 6. Uh-huh. Romulans can be American or British or all kinds of other Earth types. <laughs> Obviously, we've got tension between the Romulan military and the intelligence apparatus. Uh, we got this human defector, though we don't really know what his deal is. We technically have spot continuity, but as you say... What? what? What does he have to do with this and why? Uh, Vice President Biden is defecting. And somehow <laughs> that's also going to mean an escape route for thousands of dissidents. I didn't really understand that link. They needed to explain that a little bit better. Yeah. Again, Griffith extends her nets with access codes that Deanna Troy has memorized for some reason. Uh, here we learn about the forced quantum singularity the Romulans use for a power source. This is the first mention of that, right? Like, you know, yes. canonically in the run of the shows. Uh, I gave it a three. I feel like there could I have been one... even more there, but I didn't know what to make of a lot of it. Yeah, that's the main problem with it. I have it one less. Um, this is the first confirmation that when you cloak, you have no shields. Okay. We've known before that you couldn't fire when cloaked. Though they seem like maybe they can. <laughs> I swear to God, she goes, if you attack them, they know where we are, and we are cloaked and have no shields, and they'll shoot us. And Carolyn Seymour doesn't go, no, 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 I would uncloak and attack them, and then I'd have shields. Yeah, Carolyn Seymour's like, you trying to tell me I don't know how to run my ship? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird. She should say, you don't know how it works. I'm going to no, uncloak. No, instead she's like, typical fucking tall she are, <laughs> trying to tell me how to do my job. Not it's wait funny. a minute, you should know that. So I was confused. Can they attack while cloaked, but they still just don't have shields, and that's that was what Troy was trying to get across to her? I couldn't tell. <coughs> this is also the introduction of the tall she are. Uh-huh. Uh, Gravitic sensor nets. And then I got the feeling coming out of this that Spock's movement must be in trouble, because now they're trying to just sneak people off of Romulus. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it has, honestly, things haven't been going so well since, uh, Naral, what was the name of the guy? Mm, yeah, turned the guy out, was like, turned out oh, to be man, working with, uh, I hella want to be best friends with the Vulcans. We should move in together. And then fucking Spock leaves and or whatever. Sela steps out of the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, and he's like, oh, by the way, I totally know what uh, Jean-Luc Picard looks like, and he's on the fucking planet, and I want you, personally, Senator, to go fucking put his picture everywhere. 
Yeah. Uh, so I just gave it a two. You know, and they talk uh, up. They say they talk about Moret, and they talk about like Troy seems shocked that he's going to defect, and he's so high up in the government or whatever. And I just feel like they could have maybe explained a little bit more. I would have loved it. I didn't really. I still. I wanted to. I wanted to know more. <laughs> I wanted to know more about many things in this episode. Uh, here's and by the way, you want to steal some time from this somehow? Uh, like, where do you get the time for some of that extra stuff? Maybe don't have bother to have a scene where Troy yells at Novak about blasting that freighter, and maybe he has already just told her what Plan B is earlier. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe we skip that bullshit conversation with the the defector in his quarters where he doesn't say nothing to Picard at all. I mean, that's possible, too. If you're not going to have him say anything, we don't really need it. Uh, In terms of characterization, Troy goes through a rough time here and has to accept way more murder than usual. Mm. But she does learn a little bit of command presence, and I guess that's part of her TNG arc. It does turn out to be. It's not really something yeah. that she vocalizes early on, but maybe. No, and it, honestly, it's an arc that really starts. I guess it starts with disaster, right? That's true. When she's and then big it dogged by Roe the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't pick back up until later. And then there's a scene where she's telling Beverly, like, I don't know. Ever since I had to take command on the bridge, I've been thinking about this. Yeah. But, like, you know, this is a part of it. Being forced to wear a normal uniform might be a part of it. There's, like, a kind of... Uh, yeah. Yeah. She maybe is integrating more with Starfleet and being less of a outsider sitting on the bridge. By the way, we know she keeps the uniform at least a lot of the time. She, in season seven, she starts to uh, kind of go back and forth. But... um have we seen her since Jellico, or was that so recent that we haven't even really fucking seen her ass, and so we don't know if she's still wearing the uniform or not? I... Was she in Aquiel? Yes, she was in Aquiel. I don't even remember. Because she was in a scene, she and Crusher, she was in one roundtable scene. Okay, I don't remember what she was right. wearing. And same with Ship in a Bottle. Was she in that one? I don't even remember. I don't know if she was in Ship in a Bottle. She might not have been in Ship in so a Bottle. So she ain't been in it much, and she was a Romulan. No, no, sorry. Ship in a Bottle she was in. That's the scene I'm thinking of. That's where she and Crusher and Data are. But she's not real in that. She's a hologram. Ah, right. Okay. Well, anyway. She's in it, I think, only in, anyway, in the I hologram, just couldn't. Yeah. I don't know if we've even seen her since then to keep track of whether she's wearing this no. uniform still or not. Yeah. Um, Worf is dumb and dogmatic. Mm. His whole role in this is to say that this guy has no honor. This is yeah. not necessary. By the way, Riker telling him to ditch his uniform, much more cutting than anything Worf has to say about this. Yeah. Uh, Picard is sharper and more nuanced, obviously, than Worf, but he doesn't even get to give good speeches this week. Uh, mm. It's not a huge character episode. It doesn't really step in it either. I gave it a four out of ten. Uh, like you pointed out, Riker, mad about what people are wearing, as always. Uh, Picard is very cool to this defector. Someone he supposedly knew from the olden days. It's like... Did the he guy, say he knew Decev? The guy knows him, man. He's like Commander Picard. And then Picard has to be like, oh, I'm a captain now. And the guy's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Like, it seems like he... Oh, no. Sorry. You misunderstood that scene. Oh. Picard is in charge, is the captain of the ship. But oh. the Romulan rank for but that. He is calls commander. him commander because he's used Correct. to Romulan yes. stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. he don't That's know That's what's him. going on there. He don't know yes. him then? 
No, I don't okay. think so. This guy defected 20 years ago, which is like... Stargazery? Uh, what, four years after yesterday's Enterprise? Four years after Rachel Garrett disappeared? Something uh, like yeah, that? I guess so. So, Picard 20 years ago, I guess, would have been in command of the Stargazer. Yeah, maybe. I don't even know. Maybe. All right, well, that's different then. I was, I was like, why isn't he holding it more against this guy? Um, uh, this Romulan should be very impressed with Troy's performance. Is she just channeling some anti-Romulan feelings she's been saving up? Just fucking blowing <laughs> all that smoke right at this British lady? And then fucking absolutely unloads on Nevek like... Maybe she thinks she's actually in the tall she are now. That dude, in that scene, he just takes it and goes, oh, okay. Like when she starts screaming at him about how she's going to fucking reveal that he's a traitor or whatever. Uh-huh. He just eats yeah, it. Yeah, he doesn't say, I guess I could just blast you right here. <laughs> yeah, I've already, I already told you I'm going to kill as many people as I fucking can today. Um, so anyway, she did great. Great job by Troy in this one, man. Um, Worf still loudly hates Romulans, and uh, nobody else really counts for characterization, so I give it a five. All right. Uh, so I guess at the end of the day, we're not too far apart, but because I forgot to uh, set this spreadsheet up ahead of time, I... Okay, yeah, we're four points apart on this one. Do you have some quick hitters? Uh, never really thought about it, and it's not important to the episode. But man, these old Romulan boys looked at Troy's bits and stuff. Oh yeah, someone dressed her. They had to change her and everything. Put her in that. I mean, they did fucking surgery on her. Yeah, man, they for sure saw her bush. Oh yeah, and that's something that would bug me if I were her. They probably had a fucking conversation about it. Like, uh, I did. Does Major recall? Do we know? Did Major recall have a bush? Did anyone look? Sure, they do seem very detail oriented. They probably did have that conversation. It has to be right down yeah, to the finest like all, detail. It turns out, like all the tall she are, she actually has it shaved into the Romulan symbol, the Romulan <laughs> right. emblem. So it's about loyalty. We better do that who's, to Troy. Though Troy's going to be so upset when she finds out. <laughs> She's back in sick bay. She's going to, I don't know, go to the bathroom or something and be like, "What the fuck." Yeah, man, she suffered horrific abuse, by the yeah. way. But she that's not really well. kind of not what this story is about. Nah, man. So at the end, she's just well, she's in the fucking she's in the blue recovery smock in mm-hmm. sick bay, and that that's never good. No, no, no. They had to but, undo her face with surgeries. It's not great. Yes, but so there's you know, but that's not what she and Picard are talking about. This is not a. This is not chain Picard, of command. This is not Picard gets back for a chain of command and takes command of the ship again, and then he fucking, you know, nods Troy over to his office, and he's like, yeah, listen, I know we're going to be talking about this for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has every right to talk about that the same way, man. She, not only did we see the insane situation she was put in, man, the stress of that, fuck, but they fucking kidnapped her and changed her. Yeah. That's some fucked up shit. Yeah, it's nasty. But no, we ain't supposed to care about that. Um, no, well, listen, big success. Everyone knows this is going to pave the way for the <laughs> Romulans to be free now somehow. Yeah, all we need is more people with the courage of Nevek, who is a murder happy, as far as we could tell. Um, there was a shot of four Romulans on the bridge. There was Pilot, Nevek, Major Recall, and Commander Toreth. And they each were wearing a different weird gray Romulan uniform 
Yeah, they all had different fabrics and, and cuts, for and sure. And I thought about it, and I was like, I guess Starfleet wears all that rainbow yeah. nonsense. So, like, <laughs> I guess, why not the Romulans, yeah. too? But it was odd-looking to see four yeah, of listen, them all wearing something if, different. If Picard, Dr. <laughs> Crusher, Data, and Counselor Troy yeah. from any that previous four season different were standing sure. together, it's four. that's four different ones, all all on the bridge. So that's what, what, I, that that's what I settled on. I mean, just I, all I'm gonna say is this: My first officer has taken a away team down to make contact, and they are in the process That's of true. returning to the ship. Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us. He's very enthusiastic, Captain. Sorry, Troy. The doctor has something very important to tell you, Captain. You've been talking about it for days. Shore leave for the crew. Now, just think about where that scene takes place. There's probably a, a extra in a yellow jersey standing right behind Picard when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it's what not, I settled It's on. not Yara because she's down on the ship. But all I'm saying is in that scene that I've captured the clip from, yeah, that's Damn. four different uniforms. They all up there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I settled on. I said, so why not the Romulans too? But it was odd to look at. I was like, well, they all, they all just look like different weird gray outfits. Yes. <laughs> Maybe the Romulans have slightly different color vision and it looks different, you know, more distinct to them than it does to us. Yeah, but I the whole time I was like, man, I really miss those TOS outfits. Those were so good. I loved those. The Romulan, Romulan ones with the weird checkered shawl. Yeah, those were fucking great and the Centurions had the cool helmets. Ah, oh, man, it was so good. Um you think that guy had to give up his helmet when he was reduced 3 grades in rank? Oh, probably. He probably had to fucking turn them shits right over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the rest of this stuff we already talked about. Your uh, quick ones. Yeah, I feel like this opening scene is the second or third time Star Trek directors have tried to mask a Romulan face reveal with a shadow. Mm. In a way that probably worked on the old CRT TVs, especially when they were broadcast over the air, but which totally fails on my monitor. <laughs> yeah, but when Troy sure fucking was... sits up in the dark, you're like, that's Counselor Troy. That is Counselor and Troy. Sleepy. And she's uh, also, she's wearing a Romulan outfit. I can see the yeah, whole oh, Romulan outfit. a Romulan. Yeah. Like, I think you're not supposed to really get that until she turns on the fucking light. Yeah. Um, I guess nowadays you would just have to keep the face out of the frame until you were ready for your jump scare. Like, you couldn't count on bad, low contrast no, hiding no, no, it no. for you. Yeah, no. You or you could just shoot everything uh, crazy fucking dark like a Game of Thrones. or whatever. Like every Game of Thrones episode from season six on or whatever. Um, you mentioned it, but, uh, neither of these women, when they're sniping at each other, says anything to the other one about their accents. So I guess the universal translators covering all that up slash making that happen. I have no idea what to make of it. I was like, man, that lady is so powerfully British. And yeah, Troy's got her Troy accent, which is its own fucking mystery. And, um... And, you know, Tomalak doesn't necessarily have an accent, but he talks weird as fuck, for sure. So the Romulans... I mean, and we yeah, already know about such an accent Sloyan as Shakespearean? Or yeah, if, if there is, that's what he's using. And, you know, Sloyan's whole fucking weird thing. Uh, Jatrell's whole fucking weird thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess they all sound different, just like we do. Just like the humans. Bakra was in the Jerok mm. uh, model of mainly spitting his dialogue through clenched teeth. Yeah, I don't think that guy knew what Romulans were or what the fuck he was supposed to be doing. Isn't that the guy who played the handsome leader of the Masterpiece Society later on? Centurion Bakra? If so, I'm not sure I made that connection. I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe I have that in my head. But um, 
But yeah, that guy didn't seem like he knew what a Romulan was necessarily. He was kind of growling the whole time. Oh, shit. I think you might be right. Look at this guy. I mean, that's what I thought, but I don't, I guess I haven't. Yeah, I Aaron Connor. It up. Okay, well, there you go. You are not wrong. So you know what that guy was looking and sounding like, and then you know Bakra was growling like a weird animal, so. So they must have brought him back because they liked him as Bakra, but then it turns out they did not like him as Aaron Connor. Because that was it. <laughs> Well, no, but it says his performance as Aaron Connor was not well received by director Winrick Colby nor executive producer. Rick I don't Berman. know if I can blame him for that, man. What did he have to read off the fucking page? What was that fucking oh, yeah. weird, uh, fucking romantic plot line they had in the middle of fucking no? Like, they're in the middle of a huge also, crisis, and they're just like, let's you, fucking get raw. You can't put this guy up against Hannah Bates. <laughs> Just think about it. It's not yeah, going to work. That's true. Yeah, that's what I always think. That she's pretty. going to look top. bad in comparison. She's top of the fucking charts. Oh, well, she was so good. She disappeared into her role so much, Matt, that you didn't recognize her as Odo's <laughs> lover in A Simple Investigation. It's true. I did not recognize her. In fact, her. I didn't. I wrote a real Hannah Bates type, and then later I looked it up, and it was Hannah Bates. That's right. I, uh, I like that Desev found some... Uh, vaguely Romulan civilian clothes to wear. Like, there's uh, something yeah. about the weird cut of that outfit that's like, yeah, that's a Romulan fashion choice. Also, nobody sent him to Mott. Riker didn't go, and I want to see you. I want to see you in Mott's fucking chair. He, you don't uh, wear that he haircut to, here. He had to dismiss four pop-ups that said it wasn't going to look good on his body. <laughs> the replicator sure? tried to tell him, no. Are you sure you'd like to continue? Like when when the replicator tries to sass Troy and tell her this is not good nutrition. Yeah, uh, you stop eating fucking chocolate ice cream. What happened to you? You used to be a real person. When it says that to her, <laughs> yeah. Desev's speech we've talked about it several times is so oblique that I'm not <laughs> sure anyone ever understands what he's saying. I have found so. that clarity of purpose is more nuanced than <laughs> I thought when I was young. What does that what? mean? Is that a sentence? That sounds like an AI sentence. I mean, and then he follows it up with how he wants to see Picard's mommy milkers, and then that's how you know that it's Yeah, that's how you know it's AI. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, And then he saw it constantly singing to himself, cut off Gene's truck. (laughs) Um, Beer truck! (laughs) On uh, the podcast, My Brother, My Brother, and Me, Mm. fairly early one. The brothers tell a story about the first time their dad went to a sushi restaurant. They're from West Virginia. Right, right, right. Went to a sushi restaurant, and he ate the edamame, pods and all. Yeah, yeah, Just crunched them up. Just crunched them up like Randy Moore. By the way, this is a conversation Marjan and I had not that long ago where we couldn't remember why we knew you weren't supposed to do that. (laughs) But we knew. Exactly. How did that get get transmitted to you that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to... Squeeze the little guys out of there. I only assumed that I must have been eating with someone who'd already had edamame before, and I saw yes. them do it. It's the only thing I can it, think. And you and you were like, "Okay, that's how you do it." Okay, you don't eat the pods <laughs> because the I trick, definitely right? have never tried to eat the pods, but I don't know. I don't remember how I knew that. And that's the exact kind of thing that would have happened to me <laughs> if I were in that. If I got called up to the captain's table, I had to that's play what along. I'm saying it's bullshit. <laughs> oh, no, no, you'll be fine. Just play along. You go in there. You don't even know what the food is. You're Kern picking up that flour out of the centerpiece in uh-huh. that meal and being like, I guess it's food. <laughs> she got, <laughs> Troy got, this is why this was my take for this episode. Troy got so lucky 
that the only thing Toreth cared about in that whole dinner was sticking it to the Tall Shiar. That she was going to be telling a story about a Tall Shiar officer getting executed when Troy came in, and that she had that fucking story about her father chambered and ready to go. And even when she's like, oh, surely you must have taken at least one class with Professor Whatever, and Troy doesn't know anything about no. what she's talking about, she just uses it as a jumping off point because she, she didn't really care about any of that. She just wanted to give her opinion about the Tall Shiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, later on, I hope. I hope she has enough self-awareness. Archer didn't, so maybe she doesn't. But I hope later on she goes, you know, I probably should have realized something was up when she just grabbed a plate full of gravy and ate that. <laughs> like They're it was, half... <laughs> I mean, like, that was weird, right? And I didn't... I just looked right past that. I was like... I probably thought to myself, typical fucking tall she are just eating a plate full of gravy, you fucking asshole. But then, like, I really, if I thought about it, I'm like, what the fuck is she doing? They're fucking halfway back to Romulus. The she's ordered the Kazara to head back to Romulus at warp four because she's not nah, in a hurry. She ain't in a hurry. Ain't in a hurry to have any of this fucking investigated. She's trying to sleep on her Romulan bed. Uh, the only light in the room is from the light switch that turns on the other lights, uh-huh. and uh, and she's fucking thinking, okay, so she took a roll, and she split it, and then she put cranberry sauce in it. <laughs> And then she ate that. And I was just like, and I didn't even think about it. fucking tall she are. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about it. And that's really on me. Unless like, she wants to shove it in my face by not eating the turkey. I'm not going to uh, tell the investigators that part. That's the part I'm going to remember forever. Yeah. In, like when I'm privately ashamed of what happened. Um. I want you to tell me, honestly, if you think this was an intentional choice that Marina Sirtis made. But when Troy assumes command Mm. of the Kazara, she also assumes Carolyn Seymour's accent. (laughs) I am going to play you this clip. Oh, good. In the meantime, we must protect ourselves. Engage the cloaking device. Whoa. Did you hear it? Man, she went the cloaking device? She went full British. That's not Marina Sirtis's British accent. No, her British That's is Carolyn Seymour's accent as Torres. Engage the cloaking device. In the meantime, we must protect ourselves. Already a little bit there. Engage the cloaking device. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're right. Dang, that was fucking so British. I didn't notice that. I thought she was probably trying to sound grand, you know, because she took over the ship. Uh-huh. So I guess that makes sense. Dang, yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> just full on mirrors her accent engage the cloaking moment. device engage the cloaking device <laughs> could at least try the venerine you could at least I know it's not what you're accustomed to but you could at least try the venerine fucking pilots just fucking staring at that plate the whole time going what the fuck is she doing oh the pilot, is pilot it, can anyone saw. else see this he saw a lot of shit. If we could see, there should be a lower decks where the whole thing is from his point of view. Pilot, he's just yeah. constantly noticing weird shit that Troy's doing. And he's so frustrated that Toreth doesn't see any of it. And he knows he can't tell her about any of it. Because then it'll look like he's trying to uh, fucking big dog her or whatever. And you can't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, you should. Everyone go back and watch that scene again and see if Pilot is fucking just eye fucking <laughs> Troy's dinner plate. Just like, what is she doing? She just poured a bunch of salt on her plate and just ate it. 
It was oh, some she, twisted serial killer fucking shit. Oh, she, you could tell she doesn't like it, but she's just she's just going to keep chewing. If Torith would just look at her, she'd see how fucking confused she is. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Here she goes about Professor Watts' nuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. She's not going to catch this. any of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Picard really reveals something about himself in this episode, and, and that <laughs> is that he has to have someone near him with inside knowledge. Oh, his mm. telepath is on vacation somewhere? Put the yeah. defector in her seat. That's right. And you know what? It's probably his command. Uh, dressed like Troy. <laughs> I want to make sure that I feel comfortable with you sitting there. The dude does not like an even playing field. No. No. I mean, why would he? Honestly. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's Picard's fucking whole point of view. <sighs> All right. So you talked about what they may have done to Troy. Yeah. Did the surgery that Troy underwent at the end of this episode, did it involve hair extensions? Did they regrow her hair? I don't know, man. Or did the original Romulan surgeons change her whole face, but just tuck her curly hair up under a wig? I don't know, man. We'll like, never know. She's got her hair back at the end. I know. I know. I know, man. Amanda Rogers fucking popped in and went, yoink, and fucking grew it all out in a minute. Ah, it was probably Amanda for Rogers. Her, for her good friend, Dr. Crusher. Yeah, Crusher was like, I don't know what I'm going to do about her hair. And then Amanda Rogers just fucking leaned halfway out of a wall and uh, did a little bewitched motion, and all of a sudden her hair was back. <laughs> you know, because that one afternoon she spent talking to her about all the things she should not have brought up, about her dead fucking husband and all that stuff. It made, it made a bond for life. She's like, I won't, I'm not going to tell my parents I'm a, bo- I'm a fucking Q now, but I'll tell you. I need to tell. Wait, I can't leave without saying goodbye to Dr. Crusher. My parents? I don't know anything about I don't care about that. But, like, I have to tell Dr. Crusher. I'm not really that into them, so. I uh, give best actor to Toreth. Uh, like I said, I'll watch her all. How do you feel about your dead husband? <laughs> sad though, right? Yeah, I know it's sad. Like when uh, I'm away from my puppies. <laughs> Does that not the? Oh, I should. My dead parents, right? And my parents are also dead. Oh man! What do you uh, tell Wesley for... about his dead dad? What do you mean? What do you mean? Concentrate on work. All right. Fuck. Okay. Just trying to make conversation. Uh, best actor to Toreth, worst actor to Navek. Although it may be his makeup that makes him look like a wide-eyed goon the whole episode. <laughs> it's what I'm saying. I got a lot of Garrick energy from him. <laughs> He's got kind of an Anthony Robinson face. He's got kind of a Jort face. <laughs> it's Jort-esque. He's got Jort face. Uh, this one I was a 15 you were an 11 that's a 26 26 is not a good score but no but we have some inside knowledge but this week about some flipsy scores this week 27 has a real chance let's jump right into the next episode Uh, next we'll be discussing Voyager this week we watched Live Fast and Proper This is how I know it's a great start. On the planet Telsius, two miners get ready to greet Voyager's crew. But the away team that beams in consists of a fake Janeway and a fake Tuvok. Mm. They do a big speech about how they miss Earth 
and then get down to it. These miners need dilithium and are prepared to trade the bolomite that they mine for it. Yeah. Fake Tuvok claims they can use the bolomite to help the orphans on whatever planet. And Janeway agrees to trade 10 kilotons of dilithium for 10 kilotons of bolomite. Mm. But back on the ship, they break character for a moment. Fake Janeway takes fake Tuvok to task for overacting. Then they beam up the bolomite and skip town. Yep. On actual Voyager, actual Janeway is having a bad day. Her sonic shower goes nuts and breaks her mirror. And it mm. turns out Voyager is suffering from what Janeway terms gremlins. Yep. <laughs> I mean, in the mess hall, Janeway goes, gremlins. Like staring ahead like a fucking moron. So she can wax historical about the early days of aviation. And Balana doesn't just go, ugh, and, and walk away. Actually, there's this great Bugs Bunny I want you to see. Oh, no, wait. Oh, no, I don't want you to see any of these no, no, Bugs Bunnies. You shouldn't look at any of those anymore. Don't, don't look at, oh, no, he's doing Tojo. It's not about anything. No one brings up anything that's kind of related in any way. She just wants to sound like she's fucking cool. And Balana yeah. is very nice to her and doesn't get mad about it. That's true. In the mess hall, Tuvok is getting shirty with uh, with Ippy and Dippy about mm. one of his holodeck programs being altered. Uh, but the prank twins deny it was them. Well, that's uh, Kim and Tom Paris. Oh, yeah. We know which doofy to which you refer. Um, But then it seems like maybe it was them or they're going to do a prank. Anyway, yeah, I couldn't. I also couldn't tell whether it was anyway. them. I couldn't tell whether it was them or whether they just thought that's a hella cool idea. This fucking threatens to be a B-plot and then isn't. So don't Thank worry goodness. about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is just a way... Okay, so Janeway and Torres come in and close the galley because they figured out that the replicator's fucked up and everyone's going to get sick. Uh, but then they discovered the problem. A heating coil that Neelix traded for has been wreaking havoc. Hmm. Now... And he tells her he traded for for some from some nun, some fucking sister Dala or whatever. <sighs> Janeway gets called to the bridge because a ship has showed up and it's got the miner's boss, Oric, and he wants his fucking ten thousand tons of dilithium, please. <laughs> that you traded me for, and then you took the stuff and then you left. And he comes aboard and he shows her video of the call. And I guess all humans look alike to him. Because even with Janeway standing right next to a slightly grainy video of fake Janeway, he don't see it. Two different voices, too. The other lady has a totally different kind of voice. Uh, Janeway never attempts to convince him of this. (laughs) She's not not just like, huh? Huh? What are you? Her? Me? Are you listening? Just listen to them. That's that's obviously not me. (laughs) Instead... No, no, no. She does some real why did I have the bullshit instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she really does a why did I have the bowl. She's like, our logs will show that we were never there. And he's like, like you, fucking lo- your logs? Who gives a shit? <laughs> Just tell him, uh, obviously, no, it wasn't hey, me. Bud. Hey, look at look at this again real close. That's not me. Think about it. <clears throat> uh, instead... <laughs> When he reveals the discussion about the orphaned children, that takes her back to Neelix about the trade that he made for the heating coil and Sister Dala. Uh, 
she just fucking <laughs> she's not cool. She about just it. walks out. She just goes, yeah, 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 that's great. I gotta do something, and she just fucking <laughs> she leaves. Walks the out guy. and leaves her there. Goes to uh, goes to Neelix. So it, then we see, unfortunately, in a flashback, they yeah. show us this exchange. This is not necessary in any way, except no. I guess. All right. So in the flashback, Tom Paris and Neelix are looking for a special fungi in a cave somewhere. Yeah. And they run across, oh, it's fake Janeway and Tuvok again, but this time they look like clerics of some kind. Yeah. And they're pretending that they're keeping their sanctuary hidden from someone. Uh, they tell Neelix that he looks like Jesus H. Christ himself and uh-huh. that they make pilgrimages for orphans, but this year they have no food. Neelix offers them food, but they're not allowed to accept charity, so Neelix proposes a trade, etc., etc. He invites them back to the Delta Flyer. <sighs> Janeway is... Um, Really way more amused about this story than she should be. She's like, you idiots, you idiot. And he's like, listen, I don't get it. They were never alone. But then we go back into the flashback and we see him. First of all, we see him give away most of the information we saw fake Janeway say in the cold open. Yep. Just in conversation. She used for color. Mm -hmm. Then we see fake Tuvok as brother Mobar clearly scanning everything while they all have their eyes closed for a blessing. So they got taken. They got scrumped. Yeah. Uh, Janeway verifies the scan in the real Delta Flyer and tells Tom and Elix that they're idiots and then goes back to talk to Oryx, who I guess has just been sitting in the conference room, (laughs) probably fuming. Literally just waiting for her to come back. She cooled this guy down. Like, uh, she did. This is Jellicoe-style stuff, except she just genuinely didn't care about him for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She asks... um, for scans, any scans that he has that'll help him track down the scammers, uh, convinces him. Meanwhile, in some nebula, fake Janeway, fake Tuvok, and now fake Chakotay are scamming some guy named Varn. Uh, they picked him as an easy mark because he's all dressed in furs. Yeah. They're I mean, inviting him to, to join the Federation for protection from his enemies. Of course, there's an application fee, and they take that in bolt. Back on Voyager... In what turns out to be the actual B-plot, Tom and Neelix can't believe they were scammed, and they're starting to think they've lost a step. I, can't, I couldn't believe this is the B-plot. To couldn't prove that they're fucking still... fucking believe it. To prove that they're still the baddest boys in town, <laughs> Neelix tries to run a shell game on Schmullis, but he's a fucking computer. Yeah. So... Dum-dum music plays to reinforce that these two are dum-dums. Meanwhile, uh-huh. Voyager finds the trail of the fake Delta Flyer. Um, that The fake guys are getting yelled at by Varn because he just found out that his the torpedoes they sold him are useless and that his enemies were already a part of the Federation. Mm-hmm. Voyager rocks up. Uh, fake Janeway uses their arrival as a threat against Varn. He calls real Voyager and threatens to destroy the Delta Flyer and starts shooting. Janeway breaks Varn's tractor lock, um, mm. but Seven is only able to beam one of the fakers out before the fake Delta Flyer warps out. I don't know why. Janeway Sometimes goes down to the brig. can beam like a million guys at once. So yep. Like, this time she's only able one. to get a lock on one. Yeah, exactly. Real Janeway goes down to the brig to confront fake Janeway. She demands a detailed account of everyone they cheated and asks Tuvok to give a recounting of his research into Telsian law. Mm-hmm. 
But Tuvok is not a good improviser. No, he don't know what she's talking about. He almost says with his words, I didn't do any research. Yes. Like, starts to say it. <laughs> Listen. On the last day of eighth grade, <laughs> I I was at campus getting ready to leave. Walk back home. Jason Steele comes up with his dad. His dad's like, yeah, so I just wanted to get that uh, TI-83 graphing calculator back that Jason <laughs> loaned you. Oh, no. Jason's, like, desperately looking at me, and I'm like, he never loaned me any calculator. <laughs> and, and of course, what was, I didn't have one to give him. What was I supposed to fucking do? Yeah, well, And, of course. Yeah. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll go. Yeah, no, I'll definitely. I got to go get that. Uh, yep. No, I'm going to go get this that right m- now. And then just yoink your way out of there. This must not have been news to his dad, because he did not. For one second, doubt that his son was a liar. That's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, this is what Jane was trying to do with Tuvok here. It's always good when you can relate the great writing of Voyager yeah, to yeah, real yeah. life experiences. <clears throat> uh, fake Janeway isn't particularly frightened by what Tuvok comes up with. She refuses to help. Now Neelix comes by with her dinner. Starts to ask her if she ever feels guilty taking advantage of people. She says her dad, Tsao Tsao, told her it was better she wronged the world than the world wrong her. I also thought that. He tells her he used to be like her, but Janeway reformed him and maybe she can be redeemed herself. But the whole time, he's fucking wagging his hip with his phaser on it at her. Mm-hmm. And she knocks him on the head and takes it and escapes the brig. She boards the Delta Flyer, but uh-oh, Janeway was expecting that move, too. They're worried that we might think she's winning, so they have mm-hmm. to show us a scene on the bridge where they're like, yeah, now she's left the ship, just as we expected. They couldn't wait one more scene. No, yeah, and I guess that means part of the plan was maybe Neelix gets garroted in prison or something. Yeah, they were really counting on her not to actually murder Neelix. I mean, she, once she gets the phaser, like, she could just fucking O'Brien that shit all the way up and blast him, but... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I guess that's we part hope of the, that the phaser of the plan. Was, was doped in some way, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, fake Chakotay and fake Tuvok are arguing about leaving her behind when the real Delta Flyer shows up, but now they wonder how she got away so easily, and they're not going to lower their shields and let her aboard. And also, Tom Paris and Schmollis turn out to be on the Delta Flyer. Mm-hmm. Um, fake Janeway... Wants to wants them to go get their buried treasure that they buried somewhere and bug out of the sector because they've been caught. When they detect life signs aboard and uh, leave under fire. Now they do go to get the loot because they know it's not safe and they're yeah. arguing about who they can trust and they decide to all go down together. Oh, this is so fucking convoluted. When they're mm-hmm. down there, all of a sudden, fake Janeway starts trying to call Voyager for help. Yeah. Um, and then when they can't, Voyager can't get a lock on her to get her out of there, she shoots fake Chakotay. And then when fake Tuvok shoots her, well, it turns out she's a hologram. That's right. It's a fake, fake Janeway, a.k.a. Yeah. number one Schmollis. That's right. <sighs> now real Tuvok gets the drop on fake Tuvok and fake Chakotay. <laughs> and then Schmollis morphs back. Dala wakes up on the bio bed in the Delta Flyer, and then back on Voyager, Janeway gives a captain's log about how everyone got their stolen goods back. <laughs> in the mess hall, Neelix does another shell game, and this time they beat Schmollis. How? Who knows and who cares? The end. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. Are you interpreting all the symbols? I told you it doesn't Searching work. Searching your subconscious for their meaning? Don't fucking ask me anymore. I'm, it really doesn't fucking help. Actually, it makes me more stressed. <clears throat> what you got for me? Uh, Maybe. You can't change bad people, so don't even try. Just trick them. <clears throat> Just trick them, and then, em. like, you win. You beat the bad guy. I know that's less of philosophical or moral take and more exactly the plot of this episode, but I couldn't figure out what they were doing here if it wasn't that. And while I agree that sometimes it's a futile effort to try and change people's nature, this is an extremely cynical take that you don't really need to make an episode about, and I gave it a two. The When they try to convince her to be a good person, it's just a trick, man. It's just a fucking trick. You don't think there's room in there that if she did agree to fucking turn over a new leaf? <laughs> I don't trust Neelix to do that no, right. I think he would have been like... That wasn't the plan, but... <laughs> he would have been like, oh no, I dropped the phaser in your lap. Like, even if he was making progress with her. Because he knows he's supposed to give up that phaser. Uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, it seems like at no point do they try to, like, I don't know, make these people see any fucking reason... And instead, they're just like, but what if we did a cool fucking caper of our own? <laughs> so, yeah, just a two for me. Yeah, this is the this is the one I struggled. Well, I struggled with this one a lot. At the end, this is like, you reap what you sow? I guess. I mean, those guys do get what's coming to them, I guess. This is, it's kind of the same general idea as ship in a bottle or okay. like, any scamming piece of media up to and including the episode of Community with Matt Barry. <laughs> Which we did talk it's... about offline about how that episode was better than this episode, even though it's not one of the good Community episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always predicated on the idea that if you let a scammer think they're outsmarting you, they won't ask obvious questions like, why does Neelix keep pointing his phaser hip at me? <laughs> Or how come the Delta Flyer doesn't have a key or like a password or anything? Yeah. It's a fun idea, <coughs> this idea of scamming a scammer, but who cares even a little? Yeah. I um I gave it a two. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, like, well, it, a lot it's, happening. It's something that people love, right? Scam baiting, uh mm -hmm. people who respond to email scammers or whatever and get them to do ridiculous stuff. It's a lot of fun. Everybody likes reading those stories. But uh what am I supposed to do with this in my life? Yep, I agree. Uh well what about execution then? This is what filler season on Voyager looks like. Man, it what is it not filler season on Voyager? Holy shit. If it's not this, it's some fucking holodeck adventure to f fucking Bonnie Ireland or whatever the fuck's happening. Yeah. Um, the biggest and most basic problem that this episode has is that nothing these scammers are doing requires the information they got from Neelix in any way. Hmm. They could have made up everything they told people and had exactly the same results. They could no, have pretended right. really to have a bunch like of nice color. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yes, they could have uh, pretended to have a bunch of dilithium to trade, pretended to be a detached craft from a larger and more powerful vessel acting on behalf of a big alliance. There wasn't anything in this script to suggest that any of these people had heard of the Federation before or knew that Janeway was from Indiana. Yeah. 
So the story could have been anything, and for some reason these dummies couldn't come up with one on their own, even though fake Tuvok was desperate to get into theater. Seriously. It's just a totally busted plan. And the B-plot is just Tom and Neelix asking themselves, are we dumb, actually? But I guess we're supposed <laughs> to think too the dumb answer to is answer no it. at the end. No, yes. they're too dumb to figure out that the answer is, yeah, you're fucking dumb, guys. By the end, they've convinced themselves they're the smart party again, but, like, they're not. Because they're too yeah. dumb to know. Yeah. Uh, the stuff about the gremlins never gets tied in. It's not like we oh. learned that they were intentionally disabling Voyager. It's no. just script business so that Janeway knows a little something about Sister Dalla and the orphans when she hears it later. Yeah. Uh, so my advice is everybody go ahead and skip this episode. I wish I had. I gave it one. Yep. No, we are in agreement. I gave it a one. It's a typical Voyager effort. It's half yikes and half why did they even fucking bother. Janeway, as always, is a huge problem. I think Janeway might have a tumor or something. <laughs> Nothing she says makes any fucking sense in this or any other episode. TP and Neelix having a crisis of confidence is so immaterial. Hey, buddy, they aren't true grifters anymore like they used to be. Uh-huh. That's a problem we're supposed to care about. And then rather than, like, try to help or reform these guys or anything at all Janeway just like wants to get the last laugh yeah. and I said the same thing as you I said erase it from the catalog man it's nothing it's what is really nothing in a show with about a hundred absolutely missable episodes this mm -hmm. one is one of the most missable <laughs> it's just nothing you don't need it that nothing so yeah just a one for me Jesus Christ Voyager come on you only have to beat two other shitty episodes every week, and you just can't do it. World building. When Neelix refers to the spooky CGI guys as Species 8472, this con artist doesn't go, who's that? She just says, it's impressive. Why would she know what Species 8472 is? Or was she that's just playing question. along? Does she not know? And she's just like, oh, that's cool. And then she just repeats it later, and the other guys don't go, What's that? Yeah, Voyager last encountered Species 8472 approximately 20,000 light years away. <laughs> it's just like, that's not what anyone else would call them. They only uh -huh. know that because that's what fucking, what's her name called them? Yep. Hey. Uh, we already know Chaco doesn't want uh, gambling on his ship. I hope the doctor reports these two fucks. It's <laughs> a good point. Remember how because much fake know. trouble TP got in for gambling? Is yes. that fake or real trouble? Was that during the slow burn? I can't remember. I don't remember. I genuinely don't remember. That whole arc was terrible. Yeah. I don't know. Some aliens appear in this episode. We'll never see them again, though. I gave it zero. Uh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm one better. Um, Bolomite is worth half as much as Dilithium. Voyager Maybe. shielding is multispectral. Yep. I mean, it says yeah, again, it on the that graphic. is information that comes from fake Tuvok, so... Yeah, I don't oh. know about the pricing thing. That that may or may not be true. Uh, yeah, no, it's a real who cares for me. In fact, it is a zero. You're not wrong. <laughs> I didn't... Hey, did you say you could see a zero? No, I just wanted, but you're just not wrong. Just an immediate deduction, yeah. 
<clears throat> characterization too, man. Uh, Janeway's rude. <laughs> Tuvok's not a great improviser, and it's weird that Janeway thought he would be. I mean, Janeway seems dumb for throwing it to him. Yeah, it actually just makes her look bad. She ain't throwing it to Chaco or TP or someone who you might be reasonably convinced would play along or something. I don't know. Uh, Neelix and Tom Paris consider themselves street smart. <laughs> Big deal all around. I gave it a one. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, the Janeway Gremlins thing. Uh, then I say, Janeway, I don't even know what to say anymore. In a petty attempt to be the one to capture the imposters, she she opens fire. She gets into a shooting war with this pissed off alien guy. Yep. What the fuck is wrong with her brain? Let uh, by him the way, capture them. That guy is never going to figure out what happened here. <laughs> it's it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, don't trust the Federation. Yeah, I mean, like, you can let him capture them, and you can try to fucking talk it out. You didn't do anything wrong, and it won't be that hard to prove it. And if this guy annihilates these shady fucks, it's their own fucking problem. But she has to get in a shoot uh, no, up with this guy. But if, listen, if this guy annihilates them, then how is she going to convince Oryx it wasn't her? I just, I... She shot you at know, that Oryx, guy. Oryx, a prisoner on her ship, probably? <laughs> yeah, so what is he going to do? Then she makes a liar of Tuvok, which she knows really bothers him. Oh, yeah. Just so she can seem smart and cool in front of fake Janeway. A fake her yeah. who she already has in her brig. Yes. What is even happening? She wants to impress this alien. I don't know why. I don't. I fucking don't understand her. I'm Troy in that scene where Britta is getting spanked by Troy's grandma. I just yes. I don't understand you, Britta. <clears throat> TP is still a fucking practical joker because being tied up and tortured by holograms a couple weeks ago didn't teach him a single fucking lesson. No, no. And he of still course, wants to do holodeck pranks, in fact. Yep. And of course, he was still he was part of the away mission in a cave that started this whole fucking thing. He's actually still acting like he doesn't understand what's happening after Janeway explains the whole thing to him. He goes... I'm not sure he's acting. He goes, why would a couple of religious clerics need our database? Hey, dummy, why are you Riker and up the long ladder? Just fucking stroke <laughs> your beard for a minute and go, meaning? Then he decides the <coughs> lesson in this is, I'm not a big enough asshole yet. There's room for embiggening the asshole that is me, and I shall die trying if necessary. Yep. Why... Why was Neelix flattered by a resemblance to those people's god? Like, uh -huh. did he think maybe that meant he was a god too? Like, for sure, if someone was like, hey, uh, this is going to sound weird, but you remind me of our god, I would say, yeah, is he commonly depicted as being fat? Just a question I have about that. Because shouldn't he be like, oh, uh, Nito. But instead, he's like, "Oh well, I, I don't know about that." Uh, he's like so flattered. What is he? What are you this doing? A, the, I don't want to be insensitive, but is this one of them gods that like does a bunch of incest and rape? <laughs> I just want to you know, know what like, I'm being compared to. I'm asking if this is kind of a Greek god situation. I want to know if or... I should bring this up in conversation later. Or if people are gonna react badly if I say I look like uh, Purvis, your god. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I know. I'd be like, so you, your God, people often say your God looks like David Letterman. Is that what you're saying? Oh, man, you should grow a big white beard. <laughs> I mean, I, what I have noticed, there have been days recently, hectic days taking care of a baby where I have not shaved, and uh, all of my fucking stubble is pretty white now. Some so. of it's white? Oh, okay, cool. No, like all, like all of it, like basically all of it. So, mm. I mean, that's I, the color. Listen, I, I'm i like 40% white with no baby, so I think a lot of that's in our genetics. <laughs> it's so much of its baby. I had like I had some white or silver hairs before the baby i got like they're almost all that color now man <laughs> I'm, I'm like my hair is very 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 white it's whitening rapidly um and yeah my beard went man well and all of these diseases that you keep getting can't help that <laughs> process either i would imagine it would only speed it up yeah it's not good man i don't know why people do it i've said this a thousand times since we had a baby why are people do it why did we do it? Like I, I had the baby, and then my hair turned white. It was very stressful. Then I put the baby in school, and my hair turned clear. So That's right. It's just like consider you can see straight to my fucking scalp. It looks like, uh, you know, like glass noodles. <laughs> just throw some fucking sauce on these things, man. My hair's japche over here, so you know, think about that. Stir fry some veggies up in here. Uh yeah anyway so I don't understand Neelix either yeah man it's a one <laughs> oh cool this is These a people very fucking cool, suck a very cool episode um that I will now reveal I scored four total points and you scored four total points that's so, nice we did good that's a a real high score here huh well I'll go back and I'll see the last time something scored as low as an eight boom, 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 boom. Oh, you don't have to go back that that far I mean I'm seeing a lot of like low double digits. No, eight's very bad. Eight's extremely uh, bad. No, man, it's been a while. Let me see. Eight's no, bad. no, yeah, it's going to be easier to just go to the rankings. Oh, okay, to the bottom. Uh, week ninety-two, when we were still looking at Enterprise, the episode Bound got an yeah. eight. Yeah, to get an episode that scored lower than an eight, you have to go back to Voyager: Living Witness, which scored a five, and Voyager: Waking Moments, which scored a three. Those are the only two episodes that have ever scored lower than an eight. <laughs> Living Witness <clears throat> is the one I gave a zero, so. Of course, it didn't score well. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, you have some quick ones? Quick ones. Yeah. Uh, ten seconds in, and I have a worst actor candidate. Oh, one buffoon, of them two minors? Buffoon alien worker number one. <laughs> Yikes. That guy wasn't good. Um, I said, man, like anybody needs to help Voyager with their bad reputation. Yes, and by the way... The fucking description for this episode on Paramount Plus is like alien imposters uh, traffic on Voyager's good reputation. To do, but it, that turns out not to be in the episode at all. No, because how could they? How could they write that part that they had a good yeah. reputation? So they, this is pure reputation damage for Voyager. There was literally only one thing in this episode I liked at all, and it was that fake Tuvok is much more interested in making his performance true than in like pulling off schemes yeah so now you understand why i call this episode daniel day lewis this <laughs> in every in every scene they're mad at him for what he's doing but i guess they just need a third guy because they never get rid of him yep and not only that but preferentially she takes him along instead of the other guy <laughs> instead of the guy who fake, plays fake Chakotay. Chakotay later yeah yeah 
every time he's just like, no, 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 no. What's important is that I give a fucking real performance. Or maybe, we guess we find out in the end, maybe he just really has a thing for Tuvok. Because when he sees him, he's like, fucking Tuvok. Also, he's so he's at some point he tells him it's the lo- something's the logical thing to do, and it's mm-hmm. like ah, he's, he's losing himself in the bit here. <laughs> yep, that was the only thing that worked in this episode. Uh, what about you? Um, it is fucking exactly perfect for Janeway to walk out on this guy who was out ten thousand tons of bolomite. <laughs> she absolutely does not care. Nah, man. She tells him uh, she has no doubt he has been cheated, but like, <laughs> I didn't do it. This first shell game is the slowest shell game I've ever seen depicted in media. Yeah. Like, Neelix is moving them fucking shells so slow. That's because he knows his whole game is that I'm going to put it up my sleeve or fucking whatever. He's like, I'll make it look really easy. And then, like, yeah. he won't know the thing went up my sleeve. But as you pointed out earlier, he's a, he's a fucking robot or whatever. He's going to notice. Yeah, I also, I guess they also didn't want to teach Ethan Phillips any real sleight of hand. Because they didn't even bother to give us a continuous edit. No. <laughs> like, it's it's pointless for us to watch the shell game. And be like, oh, he's going to pick the wrong one or whatever. Nothing. Pointless. Because yeah. there's yeah. lots of cutaways. His skill, um, his skill in that scene is about on par with the uh, either of the ladies from Abba's dancing skills. <laughs> All right, take that. Oh, you haven't you haven't seen any of their Anita old videos on Afrida or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't remember which one's which, but at one point, one of them does like a twirl. Yeah, does the blonde. One of them does a twirl, and the other one looks so mad. Like you don't remember you that Frida is the brunette angel on the Christmas tree, and Anyeta's <laughs> the blonde angel. I'm trying not to remember it, so please stop telling me. I'm sure me. Mom still has those. Do they not go on your tree every year? I don't see those angels, for sure. Uh, could she um, have gotten rid of them? Mm. But anyway, one of them does a twirl. Right, They're both dancing so bad, and then one of them does a twirl, and the other one looks so mad, like, you fucking bitch. You know <laughs> I can't do a twirl. <laughs> you know I have vertigo. And you can tell for a second she thinks about trying it, but then she goes, I'm not going to fucking do this. I can't pull it off. And she just like goes back to doing her bad dance. I laughed so fucking hard that day watching that video. They didn't know how to dance. I don't know why they had to dance in the video. Anyway. Um, the Chekhov's absurdly obvious phaser. Uh-huh. Uh, I liked exactly two things about this episode. The comically oversized com badges and rank pins on the imposters. <laughs> yep. And how irritated everyone was by scammer Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. You know that he had a real Tuvok want Oreos moment. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tuvok's not here. It's uh, just you and me here. Whatever that guy's name is. You you can have an Oreo. If Mobar wants Oreos, <laughs> he can have Oreos. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then, uh, as usual, when one of these comes up, uh, my last note is directed by LeVar Burton. Oh, no. LeVar. I don't know what he was supposed to do with this one. I get it. But, LeVar, you directed an 8 out of fucking 80. Yeah. Bad job. This is probably the lowest scoring episode that LeVar Burton ever directed. Unless I mean, he directed have to be one of those other again, two. Unless he directed Waking Moments or uh, Living Witness, which I think probably <laughs> didn't happen. I do Living get, Witness, an episode I, that you blanked out of moral outrage. So. I... 
seem to remember that at the end you told me someone we knew had directed that one, and I was even more outraged. Well, Let fuck. See. You know what? Let's fucking look it up. Living Witness. Who fucking directed this shit? Tim Russ. Tim Russ. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going, Tim Russ, why did you let this fucking happen? You should have thrown your body in front of this. Uh, just to close the loop, who directed Waking Moments. Yeah, I guess we should probably figure that one out. It's probably just one of the line directors that's not worth mentioning, Alexander Singer. Okay. Yeah, I remembered I remembered that someone directed Living Witness because that was part of my outrage. Tuvok. Has anyone checked in on uh, Tim Russ's stance on the Israel-Palestine conflict? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he has a very reasonable take about how it's really the Palestinians' fault that uh, yeah. they're in this situation. <clears throat> for best actor, I wrote Give It Up for My Boy Fake Tuvok. For worst actor, gonna be Fake Chakotay this week. All right. All right. So there's just one more to discuss. Mercifully, I don't have to describe it. Mm. Um, the Deep Space Nine episode we watched this week is Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night. I was very happy this week when you had to do the Voyager. I'm always very happy about that. But I definitely didn't enjoy having to write down the description for this one. No, there's, uh, by the way, um, I guess trigger warning, this one's dark. Yeah, there's some shit going on here. And I should say the worst thing about it is it's not as dark as it reasonably should be. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's only the, it's only as sensitive as the writers are going to get about it. And there are things that they will not address that they should. Anyway, Dax wants to have a party. But Worf says, you can't have a damn party. And Dax suggests blackface as the theme of the party, which is yikes. It is wild. Surprisingly, Worf isn't into that idea. Anyway, the other thing that's wild about it is like, who are people going to come as? I'm sorry, like, you got, who do I, they know? Worf Gowron? <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, Kalis? 15 Kalesses. 15 Kalesses show up. A bunch of people are going to show up basically as Worf's god. I hope no one shows up as Kalar. That would be pretty rough. <laughs> be like, what? I met her once. Play. He like just totally missed on the fact that that person was involved with uh, with Worf. Like, oh, I met her one time. She was. She seemed cool. What's the big deal? We um, um, we did some stuff in a holodeck. <laughs> Kira orders flowers for her dead mom's birthday and that's when I remember birthday. that's when I remember what this fucking episode was when you remembered what some of the wrongs were yep fuck looks like we're gonna relitigate Kira's mom or Kira's memories of her or something yay uh, Kira wakes up to an incoming message from spam likely and she answers, she answers it. it. She fucking yeah. answers it. Why did she do that, though? I mean, it's if important. If it's important to leave a message, it's the middle of the night. You could just go back to bed. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're Kira, the last time you got a bunch of random incoming messages, it was Number just someone one. telling you how many of your friends were dead. It was just Jigsaw <laughs> calling to tell you that he was killing your buddies. Uh... Anyway, it's Ducat. Uh, I think he's still calling... on that shuttle. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in he's calling from that shuttle. He's still and, on the shuttle. Uh, 
He says Cisco showed him the truth about himself, and I guess Ducat is paying it forward. And he tells Kira, happy birthday to your mom, who I fucked. Pow. Ducat, ruiner, ruiner of dead people's birthdays, out. And that's when we get to credits. Kira comes into ops, and she tells O'Brien and Bashir to eat shit, and I've never loved her more. I hate she those. tells Bashir he doesn't have business in ops, and he's just like, I've been waiting for someone to say that for six years, and he leaves. <laughs> yep. I hate those assholes who just go from cubicle to cubicle talking shit, distracting everybody until I have to excuse myself to take a shit. So I was very happy with what Kira did there. Um, Kira goes to tell Odo to do better, too, and finds out Bashir has already been there having a bitch session about her. Oh, he what? went straight there. Who are you going to bitch to if, if Kira's acting up? I guess Odo, man. Just Odo. I would lay a sneaky trap to get Bashir disciplined after that. <laughs> this fucking guy, he went to Odo. He's like, she told me to do my job and stop fucking around. What a bitch. Dude, just look in the mirror for a second and go, yeah, no, she's right. <laughs> I shouldn't have been up there. Anyway, this is not what the episode is about. Kira asks Cisco. If she can look in the time orb, the magic time orb, to see if this is just a Ducat prank or if her mom really fucked Ducat. Cisco says he doesn't really think that's like a proportional response to Ducat's message. But then I guess he thinks to himself, what if Ducat had called me and I was all half asleep? And he told me he used to put it in Papa Cartwright's butthole on the regular. And you think he knew- that's what he's more worried about, not Jennifer Cisco, his dead wife? No, no, no. It's definitely about his Papa dad. Cartman. And he knew yeah, okay. about my dad's butt tattoos and shit. Yeah, I'd probably want to take a look in the magic box and find out if it's legit, too. The th- uh, but I want to say here that you have now described it twice as looking in the magic box. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. in the scene, both Cisco and Kira treat this as legitimate time travel with oh. the prospect of changing the past. Yeah, no, I mean, it's magic. It's the, It is definitely straight magic, so she'll just go to the past or whatever. Anyway, um, she goes and she gets exactly what she wants. The orb knows exactly where and when to send her to show her the truth. She's like there play acting as a friend of her own mom at some camp. She watches her mom and dad not enjoying their horrid lives. And then she goes full Gabriel Bell and inserts herself into the shit. You have to assume the prophets are fucking all in on this mission, huh? I mean, they. She goes in there and she fucking wishes she was big, and they do it. So yeah. Uh, she beats up two thugs who try to rob her family, and then she becomes like fucking Auntie Luma Rawl. And um, I was hoping for something like Rika Cerny, or some other lone <laughs> scum level anagram, but nah, she had a yes. name. She had a name thought up, I guess. I don't know. What if she said her name was Nana Visitor? <laughs> that would have been that would something just for the fans. Yeah, that one's for uh, people who read the credits. The chief pimp comes in fucking immediately and uh, points out some ladies to become comfort women for Gul Dukat. Kira's mom and, uh, and Luma Rawl are both selected so that the story can continue. Again, the yeah. prophets are all in on this. Well, she's the cleanest looking person in there. 
It's true. It's like they gave her a fresh body or something when she beamed in. Right. Uh, Kira's mom is so blown away by the tasty food in her quarters on Terok Noor, but then she feels guilty because her husband and kids are still starving in the camp. But it's okay because Kira's there to help her through it. The six pretty Bajoran ladies are introduced to Gul Dukat, and he's like the nice one in the room and doesn't threaten to cut them or burn them or anything. Mm-hmm. So you see why Kira's mom is big into it. Her life is horse shit. Yes. When Dukat sees her big scar, instead of puking and hitting her, he asks for a dermal regenerator to fix her face, which is accomplished within seconds. And Kira sees her mom's nasty thoughts appear on her face, and the music gets scary. Later, at a party, Dukat saves Kira's mom from a horny drunk Cardi. I guess she's his special favorite lady. But then the Cardi with Kira tells her exactly what Dukat's gonna say next, meaning I, I guess it's all a setup to make uh, make the lady like Gul Dukat more or something. Probably hired that mm-hmm. soldier to get in her business. Mm-hmm. Kira gets out of having non-consensual relations with this Cardi Leggett. She says Leggett, and that's not how I read this guy at all, but that's what no, she says. No, he did not seem like Dukat's boss, but I guess he is, and that's why he knows this shit, huh? Yeah. But when she gets back to her quarters, she finds her mom's been moved out right into Dukat's quarters. She gets into a tussle with Space Pimp and the Cardis, and uh, she's expelled from the Comfort Woman program. Straight into ore processing. (laughs) Right into ore processing. Some guy tries to recruit her into his resistance cell, and she refuses, I guess because maybe she's trying not to change the timeline? I don't know if she cares about that. Then she gets called in to see Dukat because her mom is like, let me see my good friend Luma. I guess it's been weeks. And yeah, she's it appears been, to been a couple of weeks. Yeah, she's been living it up with Dukat, playing house and shit, and Kira is grossed out. But her mom brought her here to be her companion, I guess, someone to hang with while Dukat's out running the station. Anyway, her mom is like, you don't know him, the real him, not like I do, you know. The sick shit deluded people say. Oh shit, Kira called her deluded right after I wrote that. <laughs> I guess that note really came through loud and clear. Yep, that one hit you. Uh, Kira bitches her out and leaves. And I guess her new plan is to blow up her mom and Dukat. Even though, like, that would definitely be changing history. <laughs> I guess she wants to wipe her mom. I don't know. Um, so she works with that guy who was trying to recruit her before, and she gets, like, a little bomb. And she goes back to see her mom and plant the bomb. And Dukat hands Kira's mom, like, an information rod thing. Mm-hmm. And when she plays it, it's a message from Kira's dad. And he says, everything's great here, so enjoy being Dukat's lady. We get to eat and shit, so this is all okay. And that's enough for Kira to, like, change her mind completely again? And then I think I think uh, this is not worth getting into, but I think it's her mom crying that changes her mind. Yeah, her mom does react to it emotionally, and then she saves her mom and Dukat from the explosion. And then she's back outside the special time orb again. So, mission, the prophets knew that mission was accomplished. Yeah, and she goes back to Cisco because I guess this is his business now because she had to get permission to do the time travel. And she goes, yep, checks out my mom fucked our arch nemesis, Gul Dukat. And Cisco might not really be paying attention to what she's saying, 
Because he seems to think maybe the question was, is my mom allowed to decide for herself whether to be a comfort woman? Huh? Yeah. One, that's not what the episode's about. And two, can you really decide to be a comfort woman anyway? Yeah. Kira says, she's still my mom, so I don't think we really solved anything today. What was this episode about? Disappointingly, it seems like Kira doesn't learn anything this whole episode. <laughs> that is Except that her mom wasn't a hero. Yeah. But she doesn't even accept that. It's not like, I guess my mom was human and just doing her best in an absolutely awful situation. She's uh-huh. actively mad at her at the end. Yeah. So then, is this episode Never Meet Your Heroes? And if so, what a shame. <laughs> yeah, that, that's rough. Given what, what this is about, the subject matter, if that is to take, that they really didn't get it right. What a fucking shame. I, I gave it a two. Yeah. That would be, that's insulting. It is! I mean, I didn't have much more, because like you said, I, I thought it would be something more personal, because it was Kira's mom. Mm-hmm. But like, like you said, I don't really know where we came down on her at the end and what Kira was supposed to even have thought about all that. So I just no. had, what is a collaborator anyway? Everyone's just trying to do what's best for their families and shit, right? I mean, that's a four. I guess it's worth asking, because there are some people out there that are pretty dogmatic about what makes someone a traitor and what doesn't and stuff like that. And maybe we are all just trying to, like, get our shit together. But that's what this is about? I, it should have been about a relationship with her mom in some way, but they they didn't say nothing about that. So a four for me. <clears throat> Execution. Please. I can't say I wanted this episode. I'm confused yeah. by Kira's motivations throughout. That might be because the character of Kira is supposed to be hella confused. Well, listen, I guess this is a good, as good a point as I need to step in and call Catcher's Interference on this episode. Okay. Because in the script as written, Kira forgives her mom at the end. Okay. But Did Tim a Russ certain do something? actress oh. felt that her character wouldn't be capable of forgiving her mom like that. Mm. And so that's why the wishy-washy end scene is what it is. Mm, and it's very disappointing. Come on, And it nah. ruins the whole episode. Nah, you ruined the episode. I don't care about realism. Now this doesn't make narrative sense. Yes. From a narrative standpoint, I just have to throw my hands up and go, I don't know what we did. Yes. I have to be real. I would have just said to Dukat, hey, man, I'm trying to sleep and I'm out of the conversation <laughs> and I don't have to worry about all of my mom's possible sex slavery or crimes against Bajor or whatever's supposed to be the thing that's bothering Kira here. It's wild that she's baited so easily and so completely that she does a time travel. It, it, no, what's fucking wild about it, Matt, is that Dukat calls and says, I fu- by the way, I fucked your mom. Happy and birthday to your mom. I fucked is, her. Mm-hmm. If you'd fucked my mom, you wouldn't have sat on it for six years. Yeah, that's right. You've had, I wouldn't you've be hearing so about this now. Vile things to me for so yeah. long. We've been through so much. We've even touched on the idea of Bajoran comfort women with you before, yeah. when we were introduced to your daughters, y'all. Who, by the way, I became a surrogate mother to, and who is now dead. Yep. So it's just not credible to me, <laughs> exactly, Dukak, exactly, that you fucked my mom 
and you never said anything about it in all of our many, many fraught episodes together. So, like, congratulations. You looked up some facts so, about my mom. I'm very proud of you. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go back to not answering spam calls in the future. That's nice. It's just, it's not credible in any way. So, enjoy. By the way, I hear you're, like, serial killer nuts now. So, have fun with that. <laughs> That's right. Enjoy your shuttle. Bye. Yeah, but no. She's like, I got to go time travel now. This is important. Have to verify this information. Yeah. In a very Star Trek turn, I'm not sure where we're supposed to actually reach like any conclusions. I think Kira and Cisco could have shrugged at each other wordlessly in that last scene, and it would have been way more effective. Fucking hard cut from the orb room to Cisco's quarters. Cisco raises his eyebrows and cocks his head like, huh? Kira shrugs, big, whole body shrug. The camera zooms out slowly as they look at each other. The jazz swells. In a in a show from the 2000s or 2010s, uh, that scene they could have cut there, and Kira could have legitimately said to Cisco, "So that happened." <laughs> That's right. I just, uh, I that last scene is so. I there's just nothing in there, and um, look, it was depressing, and then it failed to come down on any particular side. So I think it's an unnecessary episode. Um, but, of course, there have been worse episodes than this. I mean, that Voyager episode we just talked about was worse. But, like, what? you have a chance to say something or do something, and you make it out of this heavy subject matter, and then you don't do anything with it. Anyway, it's yeah, it a was a wor- It was a worse episode about a fucking caper and a scam. Yep. I gave it four so points. So, who cares? But, like, most of that was just for the, the heaviness of it. But I don't think they did a very good job. Um, I liked it less. This episode makes a wild choice. They uh, they send Kira back, and she goes. She gets to observe the worst moments of her mother's life, mm-hmm. but also from an absolute position of privilege. Yeah, she's the only person in that labor camp who isn't starving. Yeah, she doesn't even. It doesn't even trigger. It doesn't notice. She doesn't notice at all. It doesn't mean anything to her that a family of five got half half a cup of soup. Yeah. She treats her mom's obsession with food as if it were vapid and shallow. Yeah. She talks a drunk legate into going home. There's no stakes for her. She knows that the Cardassians ultimately lose. She's only here in an orb vision anyway. Yeah. So she gets to look down on the women who aren't able to talk their way out of rape. Yep. Right? It is almost like she's forgotten the occupation. Yes. She's forgotten what it is like. She has too much distance from the occupation, which she did live through. But she, yeah, like you said, her position is very different now. Yeah, but 10, you know, 10 minutes ago, she was on Deep Space Nine. She hasn't been starving in years. She has a lot of power now. Yep. She got to bitch someone out earlier for fucking keeping it cash on the bridge. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. She's there to cast judgment and nothing that happens really turns her around. Sure, when she sees her mom crying over her dad's message, she decides not to murder her. <laughs> she was going to kill her. But then at the end, she's in Cisco's office saying, yeah, actually, I don't forgive her. And the thing that I'm maddest about is that I used to look up to her. Yeah. And Cisco doesn't say, holy shit, you've got some growing up to do. <laughs> uh, I would hope he would have more tact because she's clearly going through a thing. But yeah. This was like... 1998 this episode Uh uh-huh six or seven years after the big 90s 
cultural moment of recognition of Chinese and Korean women being pressed into sexual slavery by the Japanese army. I mean, they literally use the term comfort women in this episode. That's literally what they are calling them. And that's really where that term got currency, right? Was in that discussion in that decade recently. So just imagine you're like the American born granddaughter of one of those women. Mm. Just tune into Deep Space Nine, right? Just funny old. <laughs> no, Deep that's Space always your mistake. If you've had going, any tragedy in your life, don't watch. We're going to get up to this week. Yeah. And at the end, the message is: Yeah, actually, your grandmother was weak and a collaborator. I mean, at least according to one of the main characters, I don't know whether we're supposed to believe that she's correct in that statement or not. But like, but is Kira not the conscience of this show? <laughs> Sometimes, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, what a fucking fumble. <laughs> yep it would have been much better off if we were just like oh yeah Ducat's half Bajoran daughter that's because he was a creep in a very familiar historical way yes. without having to do a victim blaming episode here Yep. the episode is affecting emotionally it's not badly shot or anything it's tough to watch at times because it deals with tough stuff but Jesus Christ yeah <sighs> they just the Star Trek, they man, just, when do they ever get it right? They, they just 100% can't do it. Avoid any discussion about what kind of agency Kira's mom would have actually had. That's what I'm saying. Cisco in the end yeah. is like, but it was her choice to make. And I was like, what's he even talking about? Yes. What are the words that he's... This is why I thought he can't be paying attention. He is zoned out or something. He's just saying sentences. So it evokes comfort women without addressing anything about it in a serious way. And so it... It's kind of gross. I gave it a one. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I did give that episode a zero across the board for being like, it's really the Jews' fault, all the stuff that happened to them. But also, if you think about it, it's in America, it's black people's fault. So just combine both of those. (laughs) Yeah, that is uh, what that episode was. There you go. Um, I... I get it. I totally get what you're saying. I just couldn't tell whether or not we were supposed to agree with Kira or not. Or if she was just supposed to be a person who was in a fucked up spot. Kira's motivations are nonsensical in this, so it is tough. You're right. I think that the rest of the episode is kinder to Kira's mom than the character of Kira is. Yeah. I think the episode is like, people are in some shit. Shit sucks hella bad. And you just kind of try to, like, if you may, you don't have a choice anyway. Right? You've been forced into this life, so at least you've rationalized yourself. Well, at least my family's fucking eating. Right. And by the way, they have Kira's dad send a very kind and loving message where Mm -hmm. it's clear that he does not harbor any ill feelings about. actually, I think, is probably sending her a message that is overly hopeful so that she's not worried about them or whatever. Yes. Uh, Yes, you're right. The rest of the episode is is better to, uh, to the character of Kira Maru than than Kira is. And Kira at the end who's like, yeah, but my mom fucking sucked, though. It's like, okay. Like, she lived in thousands of Bajorans. Okay, all right. That's cool. Yeah. Jeez. You literally saw Space Pimp point at her. That was as far as her agency went. I can't wait to talk about this guy, by the way. Space Pimp? <laughs> yeah. Um, because he's somebody. Oh, I've seen him in a million things. He's okay. definitely one of, he's a, that guy. He is a that guy, but there's a specific guy that I want to talk about, but we'll get to it. Okay. In terms of world building. In this episode, there is a time travel orb. Yeah. That you absolutely must not think about. Well, do not 
I encourage you. Add it to the list of the 75 ways they know for sure will allow you to time travel to a specific place. Or a specific time. Yes, correct. It's just one... (laughs) One more method of time travel that ruins, or just ruins the show. Um, yeah, they never. Uh, and then I, the other, the only really other thing right. in this episode is it flushes out the idea of bourgeois comfort women, which again, were, there was kind of an illusion there. We know that Ducat had at least one other bourgeois woman. Uh, I mean, he had six in that room. I don't know if he picked all six of those ladies or if those were just general ladies to be passed around or whatever, and then he right. picked a favorite, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that idea is introduced here and it's not a fun one. Anyway, it's also not new and the time travel orb is so bad. I'm going to go one for world building here. Okay. You You can't keep uh, doing this to me, Star Trek. (laughs) But they, dude, you know, they cannot stop. They can't help themselves. Uh, the Saratoga, I guess, is docked up with DS9 this week. All the stuff about Bajoran Comfort Woman. I just said, thanks, Ron Moore. I didn't know who to blame. (laughs) Um, magic time orb that is fucking perfect and knows exactly where you want to go and when and when you're done there Um, Bajoran collaborators acting as space pimps not much more than that I think and I said I could see a one so it's a one well what about characterization Uh, Kira loved her mom but Dukat did nasty things with her and that is a feeling that she can't get over she didn't think her mom was capable of such a heinous thing, but then watches it happen in real time, and she gets so mad she tries to blow her up. Then, because her dad sent a nice voicemail and her mom was affected by it, she changed her mind. In the end, what is her view of her mother? Any guesses? I guess it's that she still hates her. What's happening? Yeah. That's what I've written. <laughs> yeah. Bashir is so fragile he needs to go talk shit to Oda when Kira tells him to quit bothering everybody in ops. <laughs> Ducat always sucked. <laughs> to be fair, isn't the infirmary like pretty much next door? I get it, but he stopped. To, he stopped and went, you know what just happened up there? I was having a nice conversation with my best friend, Miles. You think and this just raging popped? bitch. You're Got being me. too nice. He for sure 100% popped in there and said, heads up, Kira's on the rack. <laughs> That's right. If she comes down here, I just, I warned you, man. Uh, and then I have Ducat always sucked. Um, boy, I'm reading that now. That feels that feels lower than what I had. I'm gonna give it a one. <laughs> okay, here's where we're different because I have it as high as a four. Oh, okay. Uh, Ducat really benefits by having this episode about his early days fall after so much of his character is already defined. Yeah. Like, all right. This is a syndicated TV show that is generally running at a pretty PG level. Sure. So they're never going to make him a rape monster. But because of the 15 other Ducat episodes that we've seen about this exact topic, it's 100% plausible that he treats Kira's mom this way because of how much he his only internal need is for people to love and praise him. Yes, we know that for sure. That is like consistent. nothing. Nothing that he'd like, it's not like, oh, he has this comfort woman, but then for some reason he like, he really wants to prove to everyone 
that he's treating her well. Like for some reason he's telling this other random Bajoran he has total control, full control over life and death. Like, oh no, go ahead and ask her. I treat her real nice. Like I'll leave you guys alone so you can talk about me. Yeah. Here's an unedited video from her husband. Like, ooh, look right. like how that good a guy I am. Right. It's a hundred percent part of the established character of Golducott. As is the part where he's running a fucking scheme and the other <laughs> Cardassians know exactly what scheme he's running. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So like again, we get all of that stuff. The trickiest part of the show is when he cold calls her on her mom's birthday to say, just like the truth set me free. <laughs> I'm going to give you the gift of knowing what I did for your mom for years and years. And then we have to imagine he's been sitting on that bombshell since season one. But yeah, now what was he waiting for? What yes. was he waiting for to drop that bomb? Again, they've been through so much stuff, stuff where he wanted to kill her, stuff where he was in love with her, all this shit. And he never said anything about this. Yeah. I, it, it is crazy theoretically it's now he has given up on the idea of anyone liking him right that's the thing that cisco fucking broke him of (laughs) in that cave cisco really played it so bad i know we talked about it during the episode but he should have been a lot more pleasing oh yeah and he wouldn't have got brained so many times he got he but he he will be suffering the effects of that years down the line i just in the remember in the episode i was like i'm not cisco because I would have been like, you're doing great, buddy. You're doing great. Everyone loves you, champ. Uh, yep. Hey, let's get off this fucking rock. And uh, you're right. I am your friend. And I was wrong about you. And you're a good dude. But fucking Cisco had to be like, I'm going to tell you what a piece of shit you are. Yep. Um, yeah, but that's the thing that he lost, right? Is that he, he no longer needs people to love him. And so now he can drop this fucking bomb on Kira. Anyway. It's a little harder to square the Kira at the end of this episode with the one who tearfully said, not this Cardassian, while <laughs> film noir saxophone music played. <laughs> yeah. Kira's been a hardliner before, and she's had some changes of heart over the years, but I guess it's never settled anywhere, and no one is around to help her deal with any of this personal shit, because uh, this, there's no counselor on this fucking station. There's nobody she can talk to. No, you think you think maybe your best friend Dex or maybe her other best Fuck friend it. Odo. Fuck but it, no. call Kai Win. Like, <laughs> tell Kai Win what happened here. She'll have something to say. It'll Jesus. be cold. It'll be cold, and it'll take you a minute to realize you've been insulted because she said yeah. it deadpan. But yeah. Um. So on Dude, the whole, if you again, want to, I think you can stay yeah. even as long as a week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, But yeah. (coughs) So uh, I'm giving it a four for characterization because I think Ducat's behavior in this episode is so understandable because Mm -hmm. of everything else that we've seen before. But it really fills in a lot of the little cracks and you could just have him come in and do that and you don't have to have anyone go. It's weird that he's acting this way, right? (laughs) Yeah, what's his deal? So it's going to be a four for me, and uh, that makes it an eight for me overall and a ten for you. Uh, oh, it puts didn't, it it didn't get enough points. D- didn't get enough points to beat Face of the Enemy. So let's do some quick hitters, and then we'll get on out of this episode. Okay. Uh, the ship that's coming for the party is the Saratoga. Wasn't that Cisco's ship at Wolf 359? Did they uh, make yeah, another must, one? Must be a new one. <laughs> It's probably another one of the 500 Mirandas they had mothballed. Yeah, what class do you think it is? Well, it was a Miranda before, right? So. That's what I'm saying. I think they probably just busted out another random-ass fucking Miranda. Went, you are now the Saratoga. Congratulations. Because uh, we find out during this big space war, man, they got so many of these fucking Mirandas. 
Oh man. Uh, what was they treat them like on. absolute fucking chaff. They just fucking throw them out there. Oh man, there's a bunch of them. Oh, it's been a lot of the Saratogis. Yeah. Apparently, the ones listed in a chart for measure of a man. That's got to be the same one, right? Is that That's a different one? Before Wolf 359, I That's got to be the same But it has a different random. number than Cisco's for some reason. Oh, wow. They have its, oh, its number appeared on an Okudagram? Oh, I hate that. Yeah, That's and there, the I guess there's... there's always all these inconsistencies is because they just threw together some graphic without thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was before they decided that ship was blown up. So maybe it was meant to be the same one, but whoever, they didn't look at the reference number, the number registry number yeah. from the Okudagram. Yeah, there's nothing on this one from this episode. Okay. But presumably it's a different ship. Anyway, they, um, they obviously trust us to remember some of Ducat's last appearance, but they need him to convey to all of us that he is still serial killer level crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's nuts. He's out of his fucking mind. Um, but I do have to say, poor Mark Alamo has had to say too much alien shit now, and he can't pronounce the word lilacs. Thank you! Without sounding like a season one Ferengi. That's, to see that's, it. that's my only quick hitter is Ducat calls them lilacs instead lilacs. of lilacs. Is that what they're called on Bajora? Yeah, on Bajora, they're lilacs. I see you have lilacs. I also noticed that and went, what the fuck? What oh, no. Say? Yeah, you're right. He's had to say all kinds of insane shit. Now he can't do regular words anymore. Um, Maybe that's why he quit remember. acting. Maybe he kept auditioning and just saying random crazy shit. It's just like fucking Star Trek it just ruined him for acting. <laughs> Uh, this orb of time that they're bringing up here, was this the thing that sent them back in the Trouble with Tribbles? Oh, God. Were was they returning it? that orb? Oh, I think you're right. So that's where it was introduced, but just having this piece of time travel tech sitting in some temple on Bajor mm. is very bad business. I guess the Dominion didn't want it when they were running Bajor. <laughs> I can't no one imagine. told them about it can't imagine they didn't ever hear about it. They must yeah. have heard about these orbs. These orbs are important. The orbs are important, and I guess... I guess, like honestly, the Cardassians I kind of can't imagine... Back, back over to the Bajorans, but it can send you back in time? I honestly can't imagine they didn't send Vorta after Vorta into that wormhole to try to talk to the aliens. Isn't that exactly the kind of thing they would do? Oh, I would, yeah. I would never-ending parade of Vorta going just in there. Vorta they don't care if they die. Vorta just being like, hey, Dominion's pretty great, just like you. That's their yeah. whole game. But they act like they never talk to him or know about him or nothing. Yep. I guess they only want to talk to Cisco. <laughs> and later we'll discover why, but it's not important for now. <laughs> no. Ron Moore hasn't figured it out yet. Um, Starfleet must have, like... Temporal ops goons just constantly praying at that temple, right? Watching who goes in and out. Cisco gave her permission. He thought about it, man. He's like, Ducat fucked my dad. I'd be so fucking pissed. Uh, very early into Kira's voyage back there, I, I wrote, Look, I'm sure Kira has a lot of surprises coming her way, but I bet she didn't expect to learn that her mom pronounced her name Meru instead of Maru, which is what she said when she was asking for her records. Like, oh, man, I've only ever seen it on Rick Ritten. Ah, shit. When she heard her mom say, I'm Kira Meru, she she should have gone, okay. <laughs> That's the same reaction I always get when a uh, lady pops out of the torpedo and goes, I am Kalar. 
You know, oh, that's Kalar. That's right. That's, that's how she says it. She says Kalar. That's how we should say it. Yeah. Um, and I wrote, who is this fucking collaborator? And is it intentional that they gave him hardly any ridges on his nose? <laughs> He's not ridged like a real Bajoran. Uh-huh. He's got the weak ridges of a traitor. And then I wrote, holy shit, I looked him up. He's Bob from UHF, inventor of the Twinkie Wiener Sandwich. Of course he is. He's a that guy. Yeah. He's been a sidekick or something in everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was genuinely and pleasantly surprised in the uh, in the past to see Deep Space Nine back in orbit around Bajor where it should have stayed. Yeah. Yes. I'm just surprised they even thought of that and didn't just use well, a season two shot of Deep Space Nine in the middle I know, of nowhere. But they have thought of it before because in the Mirror Universe, it's still over Bajor and they always show it hovering over Bajor when they do the Mirror Universe. I just like someone's keeping track of that on this dumb show. Mm-hmm. I guess at no point when Kira's doing this bomb, did she think back to Cisco asking her if she was going to change the past, huh? <laughs> I know it happens pretty much, at, uh, you know, in 40 minutes for us, but uh, apparently it's weeks for her. Yeah, I, I I could only think that was the reason she was, like, trying to get that resistance cell guy out of her fucking hair. Because she was like, I can't I get involved in things. I'm here for one specific thing, and I shouldn't get involved in other things for, like, you know, time integrity reasons. Yep. Because she's really like, uh, get the fuck away from me. I don't care about that. Um, yep. But then, yeah, she gets a little bit mad at her mom, and she's like, I'm fucking change everything, man. I'm going to change all of it. <laughs> uh, Yeah. And um, I give best actor to Ducat and worst actor to uh, Kira's weird old dad. Yeah, he wasn't very good. Got- I guess he was supposed to be playing. Kira realizes her dad was kind of meek. Yeah. Her dad wasn't a cool hero, her mom wasn't a cool hero, or whatever. They were just folks living the shit life. Yep, just living uh, basically the worst life. Mm-hmm. Just having it real bad. Yeah. Trying to split half a cup of soup five ways. Uh, yeah. The uh, People that have it so bad that one of the people in the family gets kidnapped, and the dad's probably like, well, I guess that's one less person I gotta feed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. As I said, my only quick hitter was that Lilacs one, so. It's good it's good to know we're on the same page with that. <laughs> Lilacs. <laughs> it was a real laundry situation. Last place this week. Mm. Voyager, live fast and prosper. They did it's really episode bad. about imposters doing a scam and getting scammed by Janeway. <laughs> so. They did, they did as bad as they could do, almost. Yeah. Um... Second second place this week, Deep Space Nine. Wrong is darker than death or night. They took on a serious topic that they were not prepared for, and they didn't do it good. No, I mean, I guess I should tell you. <clears throat> other episodes, <laughs> other episodes, they got the same score, and the children shall lead. Okay. <laughs> That's always a good start. Um, Barge of the Dead. Okay. Another episode uh, about coming to terms with your mom. And Galaxy's Child. Yes, those are the most recent ones. There there have been a lot of 18s. Yes, uh, I just wanted to pick out a few that maybe we would resonate yeah. the scores. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Concerning flight, that's that Leonardo da Vinci episode. <laughs> I wasn't uh, sure whether or not you'd remember specifically which one that was. Yeah, the alternative factor. <laughs> you always said that's your favorite. That's got Methuselah that just really fighting good. himself. In uh, I mean, those scenes where he's self. fighting himself and they really let you see all the graphics and everything. Those are fucking <laughs> gold. That should have been the forty of the minutes of that episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a uh, there's some good ones. There's definitely some good ones. A lot of voyagers down here in these eighteen. <laughs> yeah. Is that their average now? Have they fallen to an 18 average? No, Voyager's average is still 23. Um, That's so bad. You know what episodes have scored 23? I like this game. You know what episodes uh, have scored 23? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. How about Shore Leave? Shore Leave, okay. You remember that one? Uh, How about Blood Fever? I remember a lot of things about Shore Leave. I remember Finnegan and his music. (laughs) I remember the Corsairs that turn into zeros and back. I just Uh, want you to think. I believe it was one Corsair that turned into two zeros or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, I remember that's maybe one of the first episodes where we decided we didn't fuck with McCoy. Um, uh, Fucking Timeless or Captain's Holiday. These are the quality of an average Voyager episode. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. The Voyager Conspiracy. Yes. Is an average is a perfectly average Voyager episode, and I believe where that. Seven gets say that, too much information it. up in her noggin and puts turns Jacote and, and Janeway Chakotay legitimately Janeway. turns them against each other because they're good officers. They literally, they literally believe everything she says and turn on each other. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Do you want to you want to keep playing this game? Deep yes. Space Nine's average is a thirty. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. An average DS9 episode, maybe. This is, is also the average for, for TNG. So, um, I'm trying to find... I guess there aren't a lot of good DS9 choices, but... Um, I mean, maybe, Malora. Maybe you remember Dagger of the Mind from TOS. That's a 30. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe the 37s or Elogium from Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Elogium scored 30 points? Uh-huh. That's, uh, that's an average DS9 level episode. Uh, maybe you remember Canamar. That's 100% the only thing I remember about it. <laughs> Contagion. A great episode, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Survivors. Yeah. So, that's what like an average DS9 episode. But what, is this, what did this... Uh, what, did, what was the winner this week? The winner this week was The Next Generation... Uh, face of the enemy 26 points so maybe like, you know it's like code of honor, yeah, code of honor. sorry that was week three it would not yeah, have scored should. 26 points no later it would on. not so maybe something neither would like mud's women at the uh, mind's eye six, probably yeah or um uh, for the uniform you know the high ground boy that did not score well huh that's because chain of command one turns out it's not really it doesn't have much to say huh no i mean it's you, you thought it would, George but Washington. then it didn't. Yeah, you know, the gamesters didn't. of Triskelion. <laughs> a private little war. The Apple. There's some good stuff in the 26. Yeah, there was some real TOS. There was a TOS block at score 26. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Patterns of force return tomorrow, et cetera. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, that's Next Generation's 58th win. Let's do this one more time. What's TNG's average score? Oh, it's 31. It's just one point higher. Oh, okay. So they're good. they've also really lowered over the, over time. Yeah. yeah so then yeah, we're yeah. talking There's about a lot of thirty ones. Home um, soil. <laughs> I mud. Uh huh. Schizoid man. Of Schizoid course. man. Of course. Cogenitor. Don't remember. Charles is dead. Is the name of that one. Yeah. yeah. House um, of Pork. That's a that's an interesting <laughs> one there. Samaritan snare. Of course. Uh, Allegiance. And um, <laughs> devil's suddenly do. human. Um, for those of us who remember. 
uh, Jono and his dad Andar. And that fucking sick as hell fucking rat tail. Yeah. <laughs> Darmok, <laughs> the the classic TNG episode that right, right in there at their average of 31. Okay, good. Now we know. Technically, their average is 31.44, so you can think of Darmok as being slightly below their average. Sure, 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 sure. A below yeah, yeah, average. Their average is somewhere between Darmok and Data's Day. <laughs> Correct. And uh, also how I think of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think of it as being somewhere between Darmok and Loud as a Whisper. <laughs> That's sort of what I would call an average TNG. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next somewhere week. between somewhere <laughs> somewhere between uh, Home Soil and Tin Man is an average. Yeah. Yes, TNG episode. An TNG episode. Just like it's very slightly closer to home soil than it is to Tin Man. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means if I describe it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, next week we are watching uh, the Next Generation episode Tapestry. Well, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, but um, I don't know. Maybe it'll be about something. I, I could. I what mean, could it be about besides regret? I don't know. It's going to be. It has to be about regret. It can only be about regret. Something about regret. And I guess the message can only be, don't waste your time with regret. I'll just don't tell you now. That's what yeah. it, it must be that. Yeah. All right. um, uh, the Deep Space Nine episode is called Inquisition. Unfortunately, I saw the fucking uh, thumbnail, and so I know it's a Section 31 I, introduction. Section 30. Okay, great. Cool. Yeah. Love to see these guys. Yep. Sloan. They're not going to 100% ruin Star Trek. So. They said, what's the name of a bad guy? They said Sloan. That's it. So that's oh, how they man. came up with that. I uh, that's a guy I only know from timeline, so don't. I'm not worried about him. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, I, You've been playing me, a lot of timelines lately because I do get the little notification every time you pop in on Steam to play timelines. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you got to pop in every so often, or you know, sure, you got missions on a shuttles and all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Voyager episode is called Muse. What a great idea that is. Well, I'm mine, so man. excited to hear about Muse and what is happening in Muse. But you know what? I don't have to describe that one. So. That's, on me. That's on me. That feels very depressing. Okay. All right. <laughs> I will have to describe the one after that, which is called Fury. Okay. So. All right. Well, I'll, you know, in that week, I'll be doing In the Pale Moonlight. So <laughs> there you go. Who's got it worse? Uh, well, me, because I'm also doing Birthright Part 1 that week. That's the, oh, that's... Birthright Part 1 is probably not the worst one. That's the shitty setup for the shitty second half. Yes, Birthright That's Part 2 where like, is where we're going we to have to come to terms with Worf. Birthright Part 1 is like 90% Data's got dreams, <laughs> and Birthright Part 2 is like 90% Worf's on a weird fucking hippie colony with Romulans and Klingons or whatever. I guess it's not. Yeah. It's more of a camp. Anyway. <clears throat> That's what we'll all be right. doing next time we get together. Yep, we'll do all the shit. We Ryan. got like holiday seasons and stuff coming up, so it's very possible that the next one won't be in two weeks. We'll see. Yeah, it's really hard to say. I'm fucking sick all the time over here. We're all fucking sick. All the, I'm the only... You heard how many coughs and shit there was this week. I'm the healthy person in the house, so... Yeah. Uh, it's bad over here. It's so fucking bad. My chest hair is all white. <laughs> uh, well, my chest hair was the... Okay, this is not true. My eyebrows were the first thing to go white. Oh, really? Half white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. But my the white hairs are much same. longer than the brown hairs in my eyebrows. <laughs> well, you gotta... <laughs> Gotta do something about that, man. Oh, no, no, Katie trims them. She can't stand okay. to look at them, so. Yeah. yeah, but then my chest hair went white very quickly yeah. after, so. Well, yeah. You're just, you're just on, four man. years behind me on the same path. Happy birthday, of course. It's all, it's all, it's all coming up. It's all coming up me. And I did have a happy birthday. You know why? Because I, I let myself watch Star Trek 2. I let myself watch get... one of the few good Star Trek things. 
here's another note from the future. Get excited about being much more concerned about heartburn than you ever have. Man, since the yeah, baby, don't tell me. Since the baby, my main diet is antacid chews. It's almost the only thing I eat. <laughs> so I'm already in there. Okay, good. <laughs> hey, I don't know why uh, people got, why did people got babies though. Why do they do it? Um, people they make various decisions. They think they want babies for various reasons, and then many of them discover that the, those reasons were incorrect or wrong in some way. Whole life, whole but life. Then is you're fucking smoking you the crater. Yeah. yeah, I can't do anything about it now. No, no, too late, <sighs> too late. I know people who have regretted that decision <laughs> legitimately. But right now, if someone asked me if they should do it. Oh, no, no, no. It's all worth it. I'd wave my hands at them frantically and say, no, don't do it. <laughs> so frantically. And I love the little guy. He's great. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, as you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you, as believe, you believe, so shall, shall you, you do. do. How do you feel about your dead husband? <laughs> sad though, right? Yeah, I know. It's sad like when uh, I'm away from my puppies. <laughs>